Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Voice of sport in New Zealand, and today he's live from New Zealand Cup Week. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Marina, New Zealand, it is 9.03 here on Cup Day down here in Christchurch and uh, we'll set the scene throughout the next three hours for you. Uh, going uh, on the track uh, personally actually to speak to the track manager John Denton very shortly who's joined me in the studio. Uh, Kyle Mills with some cricketing information from the T20 World Cup and opinion. We've got uh, the semi-final stage, what chance against a slightly depleted England now, that's the good news Robert Dunn, uh, the leading uh, trainer in New Zealand at the moment, he's leading the Premiership he can't be here, Uh, he's based in Auckland, uh, but he's got a big team down here and we'll ask him about that uh, just after 10 o'clock, Guy Havelt and Patrick McKendry will be the panellists this morning, Uh, certainly uh, there's a bit of Canterbury about that Uh, Louis Herman Watt and Paul Mawati uh, just before 11 o'clock, from, uh, odds from the TAB. Ricky May, the champion. Ricky May, who has owned this New Zealand Cup over a, a long, long period of time. Uh, he's going to come in and I'm going to meet him in person for the first time. I look so look forward to that. Um, I think we'll try a, a top four Canterbury sports people in our Mount Rushmore. I haven't done too much about that at the moment, but we'll try and work on that throughout the morning. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a busy, busy day here in Christchurch. As busy as it can be anyway. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, it dawned grey and misly here in the Garden City this morning. Combine those two adjectives together and you've come up with grizzly. And that should be, too, the attitude of the faithful Cantabrian. They've been denied their party this year, denied by a very distant demon called Delta, whose bite down in this region is just a reputation. Shame, no finery, no fascinators, no fashion in the fields, in the birdcage anywhere, no body painting either, bugger. Just a sprinkling of a few owners, sponsors and members, plus the workers. It threatens to be not a patch on the famous historic milestone. It generally is. On the track, at least, the best can be on show, and they will. It looks a picture. Perfect, actually. The cup itself reserved uh, to the early evening time slot. The red and blacks will be parting around the region. They make their own private fun fair, and good luck to them. Bars will be full, barbecues prime. You can dress up online and win. You can be part of the nation's biggest punters club online and win. You can drink and dance till your heart's content and your, and your brain for that matter. And I'm picking tomorrow morning there will still be a sizable collective hangover in this city. You see, there are hardy souls down here. They've suffered a bit. They might have been denied the venue, but not the moment. So let's look for an open bet. Maybe you can't go past number 18 in the first. It's called She Reigns, and it's drawn in the unruly bracket. How about Love You Long Time, Love Lou Long Time in the second? Back it before the name is banned. Deny everything in the sixth has a familiar tone. Uh, what about Ashley's favourite in the eighth? Blame it on the night. Get that shoulder ready, boy. Ironically, number 14 in the last. The last one in the book could have the final say. It always does. It's called Taxman. It's a despised outsider. Cup day will be today. It will be, as best it can. Just sadly, not the same.
six here, folks, uh, on SENZ. Yes, uh, I'm the lucky one. I'm down here in Christchurch. I'm on site, and uh, I'm privileged to, to be able to get some feel, anyway, of this magic day and this magic race. And uh, to help me do that initially, anyway, is uh, John Denton, the Addington Track Manager. He's uh, the most important man here today because he has the sole responsibility and it'll come back on him if things don't go well on the track itself. Uh, John's been uh, the, the, involved in the track staff here since, what, 1994, John, so yeah. another day at the office for you, I suppose. Correct, Smithy, yeah. It's, uh, yeah this will be my 27th cap since I've been here, so, uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem so long, actually, when you think back, but, uh, yeah, I've seen them all, seen some great horses over that time. You have, and you've prepared some uh, great surfaces for them along the way. Uh, you have so many meetings here. I mean, it's like you have a meeting a week here, um, down here at Addington, uh, whether it's be Greyhounds probably two or three times, and then you've got uh, every Friday or Saturday or, or some stage you will have a meeting here. What sets this one apart for you in terms of what you have to do? Well, it's more so just of the prestige of the day. Um, you've got the the best of the very best of horses racing and um, you know it's nothing more than that and uh, what happens out of that you know you see some um, top drivers competing and the very best of horses You, you um, how much work do you put in uh, for the track any difference today that what you do for say a normal Friday night meeting um, in, in many ways no there's not but you know we, we generally start following a, a race meeting um, we'll pull the marker pegs out bring a grader out because there's a lot of material that will run down to the racing line we get that graded out we try to distribute distribute the material evenly um, following that we'll use a track conditioner and uh, what we're trying to achieve there is with the track conditioner is to make a cushion because the last thing we want to do is have horses coming off the track that are sore or lame from a hard surface right okay so you if I if I go down the down towards the record and they have a penetrometer reading what, what is what is your base here yeah, well, it's a clay base underneath this, but uh, the material or the profile of the track or what they actually race on is a sand and a four mil chip. Um, the chip helps and aids in the, the wet weather. Um, we can develop the track as such, you know, that we can actually bring that chip to the top of the surface, especially for a wet meeting. Um, it just takes them out of the, the slushy conditions. Um, while it's still, you know, very wet, but it's it's still a good surface to race on. How often do you have to replace the surface or, uh, let's say, top it up? Yeah, Smithy, we probably replace it more than most, but there again, we race the most. Um, we've got probably uh, close to 60-plus meetings a year, um, and with that, we race continuously through the winter. You know, um, we race twice a week <coughs> through the winter, and we get very busy. Um, with that, um, we're replacing that track surface pretty much every 12 months okay every 12 months how many guys on the staff how many people ladies and gentlemen on the staff for you yes uh, for the ground staff in particular yeah we've got uh, four full-timers and two part-timers so um, yeah no I've got some great guys around me and uh, I'm only part of the wheel so uh, looking on from the outside it's a bit it's a bit grey uh, a bit misly obviously one of your jobs also is to look at uh, the forecast etc what are we looking at today yes well we're looking at 19 degrees um, this hopefully will burn off come three hours from now mm -hmm. once we start racing um you know we should start to see a bit of this mist start to burn off um i think the day is going to be fine um very shortly we'll get the water cart going we'll start to get some uh, moisture into the track and uh, then we we'll start to condition and level and groom the track just to prime it for the first race it's interesting folks i should tell you i got down here um about an hour ago and had a look at it and there was a, a water track on there here we're getting some slight 
misly drizzle, so I wouldn't imagine it's drying out too much, but you've got a, a, a water truck going around here, or, or you did at that point, and you will have throughout the day. How much water will you put on the track how often? Um, depending on the day and how much heat is in the day, um, it's not uncommon to put anywhere between five and six truckloads of water on prior to the first race. Following that, um, we'll generally put a, a load of water on per race. So you take a race meeting like today, we've got 12 races, we could put up to 17 truckloads of water, which holds roughly 12 to 15,000 litres. Wow, that's a lot, of, that's a hell of a lot of water. Yeah. Um, and I, I find that, uh, and I guess that's basically to give every horse throughout the day a similar surface, yeah? Yes, what, what we're trying to achieve is, um, whether it's the race surface down by the marker pegs or whether it's wider out, we're trying to obtain a track which is fair to all runners. So effectively a horse that might draw nine from out of the mobile gate, when he takes off from the start point, I'd like to think that part of the track's as good as the inside. Okay, that's it's interesting because that that is a big factor. Barrier drawer, etc., and and particularly in yep. um, in thoroughbred racing, is huge yes, um, because of the state of the track out wider or closer in, yep. obviously. So here you try to balance that. We try and balance it. We just try and have a, an even surface for everybody, um, and just so it's a fair surface for everyone. How did you get into it? How did you get into the gig? Uh, originally, uh, my family's been involved in harness racing, um, and likewise, my my sister and brother-in-law so uh, I was originally uh, worked and trained horses myself and um, sort of just stepped up the ladder from into this role from that basically yeah so uh, from your point of view do you wake up any different on cup day um, I've done enough now that yeah you, you never stop uh, thinking about what you haven't done um, but we have, we've got a you know a tick box scenario that we just keep on ticking them and making sure that everything's right and double checking um, the last thing we want is a hiccup, and uh, it's if something does go wrong, even mechanically, mm. we have backups. We have other water carts. We have other mobile gates that arrive on course. We have other horse ambulance. You know, yeah. so there's always a backup, and uh, we like to think that you know we cover most of those things. So, uh, do you get a chance throughout the day at all to uh, to take it in to relax? No, we don't. Uh, not at all. Uh, about an hour after the last race, once we start to finish up and you know start to lock up and close things up uh, yeah then it's sit down then have a quiet drink after have that. a quiet beer and, yep. and satisfaction and yes. hopefully what about um here's the other aspect of it i, I thought that you know are you responsible like on a normal cup day tomorrow morning or later tonight well, this place would be a mess debris shoes fascinators the, the works books etc yep. bottles are you yep. charged with that one yes the whole grounds um just in comparison look, we're probably going to have 1200 people on course today um, normal race meaning we have 20,000 plus rubbish alone we <laughs> would empty something like 25 orange skips and over 400 to 500 wheelie bins just on cup day alone I've often wondered about the lost property office the following <laughs> morning and, and, and women ringing up to say listen I've just lost uh, I've misplaced uh, $2,500 pair of shoes or something or handbag or something have you got it? Uh, yes well we have got a lost property but to be fair if they've had a good day they'll probably forget them <laughs> you know. Yeah, if I've had a good day. Okay, let's uh, let's go back in history a wee bit. Your favourite, um, your favourite winner of the of the New Zealand Cup, uh, possibly Monkey King. Mm-hmm. Um, for the mere fact he just come from the back of the field and he just went whoosh, you know, um, just the sheer speed he showed. Um, that was a stunning run. Lazarus was another one which was a standout. Mm-hmm. Um, BBC was my first cup. Uh, it's always been a fond memory. Yeah, and and do you get to know the drivers pretty well? Yes, know them all 
quite well, and uh, yes, they know me. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I've sort of been, as I say, been involved in the industry. So yeah, know them very well. So what have, uh, could you give us one to today? What, do you think Self Assured just wins the cup, or um, is there anything else that? You... Well, yes, I like. I definitely like Self Assured. Um, obviously, with Mark driving, you'd have to like him. But I also like Natalie's drive, which is uh, South Coast Arden. Um, long as he steps, that'll be the thing. Uh, there's a trotter that worked in here Saturday morning, and he impressed me as well, which was the horse of uh, trotter of Tony Hurley's, Bolt for Brilliance. Okay. Yes, I think he would be um, very much uh, a leading light. I hope you're writing these down, folks, because the man that make the, makes the track generally knows a wee bit about these things. Uh, and then, of course, you do it all again on Friday. Yes, yeah, no, we just yeah, repeat the performance all over again. So, uh, yeah, we're just back to bases tomorrow, and uh, yeah, we start to prepare all over again. So... Yeah, we'll have it up and running and ready to go. I know it's a lot of work. Uh, I know, you know, there's a lot of clean up, clean up involved, but this is your this is your showpiece day, uh, John, and this is the big one that you aim to get everything absolutely spot on for. What are you going to miss the most? Obviously just the atmosphere and the crowd. You know, like, it, it just makes it, when you hear the roar of the, the crowd, you know, when they come up the home straight, and, uh, yeah, it's... It's going to be missing, but never mind. Um, hey, we're lucky to be racing, and that's what we've got to consider. But um, just in these COVID times, it is what it is, and we've just got to go along with it. Yeah, good balanced uh, approach. Hey, uh, all I can do is wish you all the best. I hope everything just ticks over perfectly for you. I know you've got uh, so much to do, so you're about three hours exactly away from race one. I think it's 12.15 the first go, so uh, you're about three hours until uh, uh, we'll get the first ho- uh, hooves pounding around your very precious track. It looks good. You happy with it? No, very happy. No, we've got a good surface. Um, no, it should be uh, a good day ahead of us. Hey, thanks for popping in, John. Well Absolute done. pleasure. Uh, great to talk to you and get the insight of uh, what goes into work. And now that I see the water truck going around, yep. I know exactly what's going on and how much is going on. Good on you. Have Thank a great day. Thank you. Very, very well done. Be very successful. So uh, that's uh, John Denton, of course. He is the track manager down here at Addington, and he's got a, a huge day ahead of him. And uh, like everyone else, he's going to miss uh, the people being here, the atmosphere. Um, but he probably won't miss the cleaning up later on in the piece and tomorrow morning, so uh, he might be able to sleep in a little bit more. Uh, John Denton with us there, and uh, he's uh, off back to work. Double eight double three is our text number, and you can come in on, uh, perhaps if you're a, a Canterbury person, your favourite Cup Day memory. Um, what are you going to miss about not being here? What are you going to do uh, in terms of uh, making up for not being here? Uh, a real cup uh, theme about our, our texting today. Um, if you not want to do that, then perhaps uh, we can get into the black caps now that England are slightly depleted. No Jason Roy. What are our chances? Uh, do we pick the same team? What are our combinations looking like? How much confidence are you that we can knock over England this time around uh, when they've uh, denied us at the last World Cup or the rules didn't as well. So plenty to text on uh, if you uh, feel the need. It is uh, just after 9.17 here on SENZ. New Zealand Cup Week on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 9.22 here on SENZ. Uh, I am broadcasting live from Addington Raceway. I can tell you, um, I think looking out the window now, we've got a great view down the track of everything and there's a little bit of work going on, uh, not as much as usual. It's it's all really just lying in wait for those that can come, to be honest. Uh, It looks to be clearing. Uh, I think the drizzle as such has disappeared and the forecast is a bit of a breeze. The forecast is for it to get to 19 uh, later in the day, which should 
would make for perfect conditions. John, uh, just news coming through about uh, when you, Rob Waddell, was finishing up as our chef de mission. Uh, so for the Birmingham 2023, uh, 2022 Commonwealth Games, uh, Olympian and five-time Commonwealth Games medalist Nigel Avery is uh, has been appointed 54 year old man of course um, he, he's been around the New Zealand athletics scene particularly the weightlifting uh, the athletics and bobsleigh um, he's been a bit of an all-rounder but that that I think is a pretty popular announcement yeah it's an interesting one isn't it like he's gonna have like, he's got a lot of expertise that's strange to go from weightlifting to athletics to bobsleigh Smithy. Uh, very interesting indeed. So yeah, Nigel Avery will be the new man in charge, making sure um, the culture really, when they get to these big events, he'll be laying it down, um, you know, creating a great environment for all our athletes starting with the next Commonwealth Games, which is only next year. Smithy, I guess with the delay of the Olympics, all these things are going to come quite quickly. We've got um, Winter Olympics, then Commonwealth Games, and then before you know it, there'll be another Olympics in 2024. So Nigel Avery, I think, will be quite a popular appointment uh, because he's got such a wide scope. Um, Something interesting happened on the breakfast show this morning, Smithy, Mm. uh, talking about the T20 World Cup and the semi-finals. Brendan McCullum, pretty confident it'll be at Australia Black Caps final. What do you think about that? Oh, look, he's probably closer to it, being an IPL coach and and, uh, finger on the pulse when it comes to that. But looking from afar, I don't think you can predict it. I think they're four very even teams. Uh, I think whoever just simply plays best, has the rub of the green on the day, will get through. I think uh, we've had a lot of one-sided contests in this T20 World Cup. I think we're going to have two crackingly close ones uh, that are going to go down to the wire and justify the spectacle that it's deemed to be T20 cricket. We haven't, if you look back over the last 10, 12 days, can you remember too many cr- classic, absolute close ones? I mean, you know, India, Pakistan, Pakistan won by 10 wickets. Uh, we mopped up India very easily. The really close ones, uh, there have been very few and far between uh, the way that I can uh, kind of recall it. So uh, I think it's crying out for a couple of close ones. I'm not prepared to put money on. Any one, any two. I mean, I'd love to see it. I really would, uh, and I think we could beat Australia in T20 cricket uh, more often than they'd beat us. But uh, I'm not confident to enough uh, as Baz is. Maybe he's just a, uh, a little bit of the heart talking there. Yeah, no, fair enough. Oh, they will be close. Like that Pakistan top order has been so impressive, um, and New Zealand just been building nicely. So really tough to call. And we'll hear more with Kyle Mills shortly. We've got a text through. Morning, fellas. Couple of questions. Can we listen to races all day on here? I've got a hunting in the punters club where we can keep up to date with bets. And good for that. Good luck. And that's from Bloomers. I think we are bringing the races, aren't we? Mick, uh, um, uh, are we doing it? Uh, uh, I'm not sure if we're doing it on... Uh, we have to find this out, John. Uh, we don't ask me the question. I'm down here. You're the producer. God sake, you know the technical side of things. We should be doing it if we're not. Uh, there's two ways we can do it on the app. Yep, the special course, channel on the app. Uh, or we can do it on, on the station itself. So uh, Staffy will be involved in that. I know on Melbourne Cup Day they brought the races, didn't they? Yep. On a on a one-by-one basis. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, once they get into the show this afternoon, that doesn't become a factor as well. And, and there's no way in the world that you won't be able to hear them either on the app or on SENZ. I can assure you of that. Uh, the other thing, yeah, yes, John? Yeah, more texts just from yesterday. Remember you got to hold them over about the eligibility? Oh, yes, please. In rugby, yeah. yes. Got some great ones. First one from PD. Hey, Smithy, the biggest blight on world rugby is how much sway the European clubs have in the game and releasing, particularly Pacific Island players for internationals with players moving between nations I think you should be allowed to move from a tier one 
nation to a tier two nation without a stand down period. However, I don't think you should be allowed to go in reverse and that's cheers from PD. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's got to happen. Simply has to happen for the balance of of, uh, of power and for the balance of, of skill. I mean, doesn't it? What is the problem? What is the problem for me, John? Uh, don't we want to see even contests? Don't we see the best of the best playing? Don't we? We, we don't want to see mop ups all the time. We don't want to see 60, 70 point margin. What good does that do? Spread the talent. The world's changed now. Spread the talent and get that opportunity out. So I'm anything that along those lines, I'm for, I'm afraid. Yep. No, that's a good call. And there's more. There's a couple more. One from Reese in Dunedin. Smithy, I don't think they should be allowed to represent another country, Tier 2 or otherwise. These players, Fikitoa, Pietau, etc., made a call when playing rugby in New Zealand to play for New Zealand. Then they chose to chase the dollar overseas. And as we know, we don't pick overseas-based players, so it seems like a bit of a have for these players now to want to represent their country of origin. Pick a country and stick with them. And that is from Reese. Okay, that's interesting. So we, we can't really pick TJ Perinara. We can't pick Bowden Barrett. Uh, at one stage, they'd, they'd turn their back on New Zealand to go and get some money overseas, didn't they? Yep. And now they want to come back and play it. They're horrible. We can't, partic- we can't possibly <laughs> pick those people. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, yep. I, I, I'll go back to my original point. If they're available to play, they're going to strengthen the, the relative countries. They're not going to make thousands of millions of dollars out of doing that. They just want to do it for their own belief, um, their own passion towards their own people. What is standing in the way of that? I don't know. Is it going to stop them? Is it going to make them a real threat to beat the All Blacks? Uh, if it is, so be it. Isn't, yeah. it. isn't it even competition what we're all about? John, here's, here's another thing we can perhaps people can text in on today too, uh, on double eight double three. We're going to have a Mount Rushmore about 11.40 this morning, and this will get people really wound up. Your four favourite Canterbury sportsmen of all time. Your four greatest Canterbury, we're in Christchurch, four greatest Canterbury sportsmen of all time. Uh, and Christchurch, uh, you'll probably be able to, you'll go dizzy trying to come up with your top four. Um, outside of Christchurch, you might not be able to find four favourite ones. That'll be interesting, <laughs> won't it? Can an Auckland find four favourite Canterbury sporting people? Oh. We might come up with some weird and wonderful answers on that. Double eight, double three, your four favourite Canterbury sports people of all time. Please get involved in that one. I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Uh, it's coming up to uh, News Time with Trudy here on SCNZ. 9.32 here on SENZ and uh, whilst we're focusing on Cup Day down in Christchurch today we cannot forget of course uh, there's a, a big sports tournament in the UAE going on and we're knee deep in it. We've got a really big chance of going a long way. Uh, the Black Caps are now in the semi-final taking on England in Abu Dhabi. Three o'clock on Thursday morning so set your clocks for that one. Uh, a man who knows plenty about the conditions in the UAE and uh, also knows a lot about horses as well as former Black Caps bowler Kyle Mills. He's a busy man today. We're just going to have a quick chat to him. Millsy, uh, thank you very much for giving us a bit of your time today. Uh, Cup Day in Christchurch. You've been to a few, have you? Been to a couple, very enjoyable day, but uh, not as many fans today, if I understand. Only about a thousand people, is that right? Yeah, only about a thousand, mate, twelve hundred maybe, and uh, all the connections that can get here, some can't, of course, so uh, we'll be talking to a few people throughout uh, the next two or three hours. Uh, business at hand, uh, Millsy, is the Black Caps, of course. Um, you know, I think everything's sort of falling into place quite nicely, isn't it? The trend is up. Yeah, I, I'm sure for the to Kane and, and Gary Stephen and the, and the crew, the first goal would have been to make that top two, and they've done that really well. They're playing really decent cricket. Um, 
you know, the individual players are the, the key players are standing up, which is the most important thing you, that you need in these big tournaments. And you know, I've, I've put some thought into this recently, Smithy, and I'll be interested in your thoughts. I think international cricket these days, the um, the upper echelon of teams are very even. I look back to my era, you know, Australia were complete and utterly fair that they were a standout. And back to your era, even more, Smithy. I guess mm. you know the West Indies were the team that stood out in a fierce and bowling group and a, and a brilliant batting group, but. Uh, this time, I think in international cricket, there's a very even lot. I think for the New Zealand perspective, it brings a lot of belief. And I think they have that belief heading into this tournament. And if anyone's going from here on in. Well, what I like about uh, our bowling attack at the moment, Millsy, is a nice balance about it. Um, and Mill now, after initially looking just a little bit nervous, a little bit shaky, Adam Milne has come to the party. And, uh, you know, they're bowling him, and uh, they're not scared to bowl him at the top or the middle at the end. I mean, he, he's fitted in quite nicely into the mix. Yeah, well, he's one of the premier fast bowlers in world cricket and leading into the tournament over in England, he was a standout up there and also in the IPL for the Mumbai Indians. And, you know, it's perplexing, really, think of a New Zealand cricket and it's depth that he was left out of the squad initially, but that's because Lockie Ferguson had done so well in the last 12 months. So for them to step in and, you know, grab that ball and, and bowl in different phases, as you say, of the of the innings and apply pressure and just complements the group in the, in the essence you got Tim Southey, who's experienced, I guess, swings the ball away. You've got uh, Trent Bolt, left arm, swings the ball in. And you've got Adam Milne coming in, bowling pretty fast with his variations. That, that fast bowling unit, or that quartet, I guess, of those guys is um, a nice balance. and It gives Kane Williamson a, a lot of options. It does, uh, it does, and, and of course one of the great things about that bowling attack is they're now very used to, through the IPL, etc., bowling in those conditions. Uh, so Abu Dhabi, uh, they played there uh, the other night uh, when they uh, comfortably accounted for uh, Afghanistan. So it's not as if uh, it's something that they don't know about. No, well, all the key players played in that IPL, and I guess they're very accustomed to those conditions, and quite a few of the players are about to come up against. Uh, the English side, they're very good. Um, they play aggressive style of cricket. Um, that's what the leader, I guess, sort of tried to implant on that group. So for me, I think Kane and, and Tim and, and the guys will have to kind of come up with a strategy where they try and use that aggression and, and put it on, you know, use it to their advantage. And you do that, obviously Butler's going to be the key wicket. But if you can deny those guys at the top, especially in those first six overs, as much as you possibly can, and even have field sets to deny, mm-hmm. I feel that English top order will, will, will come to the bowling group. So we'll also, you know, don't buy into their, their, their mindset. And it's, a, it's an England side now uh, without uh, their closer in terms of their bowling and mills. Um, but they've also, without Jason Roy at the top of the order, who can win a game in 15 minutes. So that is a big blow for them and a big plus for us. Yeah, for sure. Well, not only was he a good player, but he was a good player in form and complimented um, Butler really, really well. So he's going to be a huge loss for England. So I guess who they replace him with. You've got Milan, he could step up, but geez, he can chew some balls up at the top of the at the top of the innings. So that's a little area where New Zealand can attack. Or they might bring in uh, James Vince um, from um, from Warwickshire. You know, he's a very experienced player. Um, mm-hmm. He's sitting on the sidelines, but he'll come up. He's going to come in fresh, isn't he? So, um, but as I touched on just before, Butler is the uh, he's the big big wicket for the for the guys to get at the top. So your theory would be to actually just sit back on England a wee bit and let them come at you, or or would you perhaps have a fly at them initially? Would you would you bring? Uh, I mean, we've we've tended to go Santner a wee bit at the beginning, um, but we didn't. We haven't a couple of times in this tournament. How would you go uh, in your bowling mix in that first power play? 
Yeah, okay, to me, you've got to try and swing the ball. So our guys need to swing it on a length to Butler, just deny them with the loose deliveries, and you expect that from international players. But for Butler, I think he's susceptible to, to the change of pace. Um, he's a very he's a one-pace hitter, so you can try and deny him off those, off those loose deliveries, uh, attack him outside off stump, swinging the ball, I think constantly match it up with a change of pace. I, I think you've got to try and keep him guessing. Uh, mm. Milan, I'd like to see him stay in as long as you can, to be fair. You can slightly the bowl a maiden to him, I reckon, Smithy. But he, once he gets going, like you put the bad ball away, he, he can be destructive. But um, And then they've they got that power um, through the middle. Obviously, got Morgan down below, but gee whiz, he's been out of mix for some time, so there's an advantage there. Um, but I like anything, Smith. You can get those early wickets and put pressure on that middle order and ask that lower order of England to, to come at you. Uh, that's where you, you, you get your opportunity. Millsy, if you win the toss, and we don't win very many, to be fair, um, what would you do? Would, would you have a crack at them, or would you say, we're going to put them on the board and put scoreboard pressure on you? What way would you go now? I'd have a crack at them, and I'd back our guys to chase them down. I think Kane's a master at um, uh, getting a run rate when you, in, in the second innings when you're trying to chase a score down. He can, he's very good against fast bowling, against spin. He's, he's, got, he's got all bases covered. So, and you've got Martin Guttel at the top, who's sort of touching into a bit of decent form as well. Obviously, 90 against Scotland, but mm. I'd like to see him do that against one of the bigger teams. Um, you know, if he can continue that form at the top, then I think it bodes well. Like, like these games, if you knock out games, it's going to come down to pressure. The guys will be feeling it. Um, you really need those key guys to, to step up in those pressure moments because it's going to be those moments that are, um, are going to be triumph or disaster. I know you're busy, mate. Have you, have you had a chance to run your finger over a, uh, a, the cup field today? Uh, I had a quick look last night. Um, haven't really followed the lead-up down there, uh, in all honesty, but you kind of, you know, you look, think of Mark Purden Smithy, and he's probably the Chris Waller of the Harness game, isn't he? And I see he's got a short price favourite, so he's going to be obviously a force in the race, but poor draw. Um, a horse I like last year was a horse called South Coast Arden, um, uh, Brent Mangos and Natalie Rasmus and uh, driving as well so um, you know you talk about key players team up in big moments of the big occasion well she's that isn't she in that game the, uh, when it comes to group one racing I'd, I'd like to see a strike rate it'd be pretty impressive Millsy uh, as always mate uh, I really enjoy um, talking to you about uh, the cricketing side of things racing as well obviously but, uh, especially today because you know the IPL players and you know the conditions very well over there thanks for your input um, I hope it goes well and um, maybe in um, maybe a week or so time uh, I can ring up uh, ring you up and we can talk about uh, us being the champions because uh, I think we're a genuine a genuine genuine chance now yeah oh, absolutely I, I really do and I think it's as I just touched on at the very start there's a lot of belief within the group and I think that's mm. a byproduct of all the international teams being so even compared to those other eras um, that we've that we've seen over the, the the course of time, and that brings a lot of belief. And, and look, they've had success. They're the World Test Championship uh, winners as well. Uh, made the final of the previous 50 over World Cup. So there's no doubting that when it comes to those big occasions, they're uh, they're always there standing. Good on you, mate. Have a great day, and uh, whatever happens, um, I hope you're back a winner. Cheers, man. Thanks, Kyle Mills. <laughs> Good man. Cheers, uh, Millsy there, uh, 9.40 here uh, at SENZ. Uh, I can, uh, it's just coming a little bit again, I think. Uh, my my right-hand man today, Liam's keeping a very close eye on the uh, weather for me today, so uh, we're just sensing that it might have just closed in a wee bit again, but no damage being done because uh, we've already spoken uh, to the track boss. He's very confident about conditions. Uh, JD, the ticks uh, are rolling in. Have we sparked anything with this Canterbury thing at all? We certainly have, Smithy, and one 
sticking point that I want to bring up straight away, which is a great question uh, from an unnamed texter, but it says, Morning Smithy, do they have to be born in Canterbury? Because they have a great poaching record after all. So do Ooh. they have to be born in Canterbury? Oh, I think I think it has to be uh, clear and clear and obvious that they are associated with being Cantabs, right? I'm not saying they have to be born here. I mean, it's pretty obvious you could throw Richie in, you could throw Dan in, if you like, you know, and they'd probably make a lot of people's top fours. But you could think out of the square a wee bit, just a little bit out of the square. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. I haven't finalised mine yet, but uh, please, send them in. And I, I, don't think, I don't think you have to be Canterbury-born. I do not think so. I'll take a short break. When we come back, more of those texts as we uh, continue towards 10 o'clock and we'll have a multi for you again on Cup Day. Like Prime SBW. It's mornings with Ian Smith, live from New Zealand Cup Week. 9.47 here on SENZ Cup Day. We're at the track at uh, Addington Raceway um, and still uh, a very, very quiet scene. Uh, people walking around uh, doing a few little chores, just making sure everything's in line. I've just seen the finishing post, uh, the camera go up there, just testing all those particular uh, little technical issues. Um, very shortly, uh, race caller Matt Cross will be here, getting up into his, his petition, uh, particular position upstairs. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, those that are allowed to come will start arriving, I would imagine, from about 11, 11.30 onwards. First race time to go at 12.15, but uh, around Christchurch there will be. I'm confident uh, plenty and plenty of uh, champagne breakfast going on. A lot of people, of course, have taken uh, this week off work. Uh, they do. It's on the calendar. You have uh, racing at, at uh, Rickerton, racing at Addington, racing at Ashburton, show day as well, of course. Uh, you know, it's just a tradition down here in Christchurch, which has been uh, unfortunately knocked on the head this time around. But uh, we're here and uh, we're going to enjoy it on your behalf and please don't hate me for it. Uh, John, uh, here's the thing. Uh, more texts coming in, uh, I, I would imagine, uh, and still we've got them on that elig- eligibility rule too. Yeah, not everyone agrees on this one. Um, this is the last text just to kind of round this off. I think World Rugby should allow to switch one between eligible nations regardless of Tier 1 or Tier 2 because I remember Issa Nathewa wanted to play for the All Blacks but he couldn't because he played for a couple of minutes for mm. Fiji, Smithy. Yeah, that, that's true. That is true. And uh, I, I imagine they've considered this over the years, but I think it's one of those things you just don't put on the back burner forever. I, I think it's one of those things that, that you've got to consider from time to time, and, and it has to be readdressed. And maybe Moana Pacifica and um, and the Fijian Drua being in the uh, T, uh, into the uh, Super Rugby competition may just spark some interest. Um, because that's got to be good for Ireland rugby, but they need to be bolstered from those players overseas who just desperately want to come back and get involved in the world's most prestigious tournament. Uh, and you can't blame them, you can't knock them on the head and say, well, you chase the dollar. I mean, hell, it's their asset, it's their job. It's what they do. You, you can't just continually to, to deny them. So uh, I, I really don't see... Uh, if the powerhouses in, in world rugby are worried about getting beaten are getting turned over by these sides who all of a sudden have one or two players coming back to their ranks. They're wrong. Yeah. They're absolutely wrong. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on, John. Um, what Anything on, on this Canterbury thing? I'm, I'm racking my head here. I'm, I'm going to go outside the square on a couple. Number one's complete and utterly obvious. It just has to be. Uh, you know, and he just lives around the... Well, no, he lives up the road a wee bit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's still... He's, he's my number one. It has to be. Outside of that... 
thinking outside the square a wee bit. What about the punters? Are they having a crack? Yeah, mate, getting lots of texts on it. Wouldn't it look beautiful uh, on the Port Hills, just behind where you are at the moment? Just a beautiful Mount Rushmore. Wouldn't it look fantastic of the top four Canterbury sporting icons? Uh, and we've got one text, Smithy, which I think you'll agree on. Uh, one person has texted in, no, no name, but um, they've said Hadley, Hadley, Hadley and Hadley. Yeah, well, that's Sir Walter and then uh, Richard and then Barry and Dale. So Hadley, Hadley, Hadley. Um, there was Lady Karen Hadley there at one point as well. So, um, yes, uh, I would imagine that Hadley might, uh, w- when we get the, the serious ones coming through, the name Hadley might feature uh, one or two times, I would, I would imagine. Yep, a few more here as well. Rushmore of Cantab Sports people, Robbie Deans, Richard Hadley, Daniel Carter, Sophie Pascoe. That's from Trent in Christchurch. Like it. I like that combination. Um, that's covered a few bases. I might just go a little bit further back in time for a couple of um, tossing up. What about Grizz Wiley? Would you put Grizz Wiley in your group? There is one text here, Smithy. Hi, Smithy. Canterbury sports people. Val Young, Richard yep. Hadley, Alex Wiley and Chris Johnson. Cheers from Pity. The magic man. The magic man. Chris Johnson. Uh, a really top jockey. Most uh, winning rides in New Zealand racing. Still riding. Uh, yeah. The magic man, Chris Johnson's a, another one. There could be people from the harness racing industry because it's very strong down here. There could be people from uh, the galloping industry. You might even have a favourite greyhound you might want to put in if you're a, a snarky, smart, smart-ass <laughs> Aucklander who doesn't like Canterbury people. So the, I, I'm kind of we've, we've sort of lit a fuse here a wee bit here because uh, we've we've opened the door for uh, a little bit of mirth along the way, John. Nine fifty-one here on SENZ. Uh, we'll have a multi just prior to ten o'clock. Smithy's multi. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Not good yesterday. Not good at all because uh, the LA Rams, who were hot favourites to beat the Tennessee Titans, well, they got beaten uh, fairly convincingly, to be fair. The Titans getting up over there, so that one went out the window from uh, number one. So today, being Cup Day, we've, uh, we'll have a bit of a theme there, but not before the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Chicago Bears. That'll be at $1.30. Uh, Stephen Adams, uh, he won't let us down. The Grizzlies will beat the Minnesota, um, and that'll be at a uh, buck forty-two. Uh, and then in the Cup, you've got to have a Cup Day bet in your Cup Day multi. So I'm going to go the favourite, and at the moment you can get self-assured at $2.30. So you moulded the Steelers into the Grizzlies into the self-assured to win the cup, and that will multi out at $4.26. $4.26, John. So, yeah, that, you, that's the way I'm going. Are you not scared of the favourite after what happened at the Melbourne Cup? No, I'm not scared of the favourite. Um, you know, and the, to be honest... Incentivise all but won the race. It, it went the distance, and, and it all but won the race. It was so damn close, uh, but it was beaten on the day by a much much better horse on the day. But it still ran second, so you got your value for money within the multi almost. But I I, I did like I did like the run of Incentivise, and it did pull up a little bit sore as well. So it boxed on through that pain uh, to get that close. So an admirable run there. But I don't think um, I'm too worried about uh, backing the favourite and going in again. Self-assured to win the cup at $2.30 for me. Uh, so multing up, John, at uh, $4.26. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I'm still thinking about these uh, favourite can tabs for me. 
Yeah, there's no, plenty, I'm, plenty coming in, Smithy. Do you want some yeah. more from our texts? Yeah, give us another couple before 10. Yeah, I've got Ivan Major, Barry Briggs, Charles Upham, and Kate Shepard. I don't remember Charles Upham uh, being a sportsman, but damn good soldier. Oh, man, how powerful is that foursome? That is just, that is brilliant. Whoever thought of that, send them a temper pillow, will you, on me? Goodness me. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We're going to be talking to uh, Robert Dunn straight after 10 o'clock. One of New Zealand's leading trainers, uh, if not the leading trainer at the moment. Uh, he has a vested interest in 14 runners here on Cup Day today. Uh, so what's he going to miss about it? He can't be here. We'll talk to Robert Dunn very shortly. Meanwhile, it's 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Time for Trudy. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand, and today he's live from New Zealand Cup Week. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. 10.02, and uh, I can safely say I think the weather's lifting here, uh, and it's uh, starting just to get a little bit brighter. Um, still, it's a fairly desolate scene because, of course, the pandas aren't allowed on track today on mass. Uh, but... Uh, the track itself, we've had the report that it's uh, absolutely tip-top shape and um, they're going to have a, a decent day of racing on the surface itself, I'm sure. In fact, better than decent. Uh, one man who won't be here, unfortunately, uh, is one of your New Zealand's leading trainers, probably the leading trainer at the moment. His stable is uh, going exceedingly well. Uh, Robert Dunn, who uh, joins us now from Auckland. Good morning to you, Robert. Yeah, good morning, Ian. Yeah, uh, pleasure to have you on, mate. I, I know this is... Um, uh, a big day in your life, obviously, and, and anyone in the harness racing industry, to be fair. What are you, you going to miss about not being here? Well, as you said, it, it's, the great, it's the greatest day, really, in Australasia. It's been, you know, uh, racing, especially in harness racing. It's, it's like our Melbourne Cup, really. Mm. Uh, missing, missing the crowd, missing how Eddington does it. They do it superbly. Uh, missing all the owners, of course. Um, it's a big part of all our operation, and, and, and most of them will be there today, all the ones that I don't live in Auckland, and um, so no, it's, it's all about really, and just missing the camaraderie you have around all your uh, mates. And like, if anybody wins it outside of us, you know, you say peace to them. It's, we've got a great uh, camaraderie amongst all our racing people. Uh, it's certainly uh, yeah, it's going to lack for for a lot of that camaraderie and, and that that fellowship that that your industry uh, uh, is is renowned for. Uh, just to, tell us a wee bit about uh, your training partnership with uh, your daughter-in-law Jenna. Yeah, well, uh, obviously, Johnny, uh, my son, has been a massive part of our operation for a long time now. He's um, He runs... When we first moved to the beach end, we had our set up at West Melton about eight or ten years ago, and we decided we love beach training, and we had the opportunity to go to Birchwood and um, and train from there. So Johnny and Jen put their hand up and said, they'd go and do it, because it either meant I went or they went, and um, while well, we had the two operations, and... So Johnny and Jim want to do it. So, you know, she's been a big part of it with Johnny all the way through. Um, and the partnership was talked about early years, but um, Johnny wants to concentrate on his driving, which is good. Uh, you know, he's obviously one of the best drivers in New Zealand. And um, Jim was always a bit shy about coming into the partnership, uh, but she's, uh, look, she's a wonderful person. She's, and she's in her own right an outstanding horsewoman. She can drive as good as anybody. Mm. Uh, runs a stable, day-to-day running of a stable beautifully and has just got one of those infectious personalities which makes it easy and makes it everybody easy to be, you know, work around her. So um, when I offered her the chance to do it this year, Ian, she said no for a starter and had a send and we twisted around and she came in and I've seen some of her interviews um, and boy, oh boy, she's getting pretty good at them. You've got uh, 
14 in today. I, I noticed uh, a, a quick whip, whip through uh, the card uh, and some and some very good chances. I, I want to uh, ask you about some of those shortly, if I can, Robert. But I'd really, I'd like to um, to talk about your stable itself. So you've got a, a split stable set up in the north and in the south. How many horses would you you have uh, in work at any one time? Well, we have always have around about the fifty mark here, and sometimes it creeps up a little bit more up to around the sixty. But we always get about fifty, most of them at the beach because um, since we've uh, started beach training on a full-time basis. I trained early years, like Master Musician was a beach-trained horse, and I had horses before him that I took to the beach all the time. But since we've been full-time at the beach, you know, our, our success rate has just gone, you know, to another level. So what it tells me is that the horses love being there. Uh, they enjoy, you know, the training down the beach, straight-line training, and, of course, having a paddle in the water afterwards. So, you know, the majority of horses are down south. I run all the... Uh, book side of it and everything else up in the north and then mm. we have a smaller team here but when we when we uh comes to our bigger meetings in Auckland um you know then of course the, the stable swells up here you've tasted success in the cup but your memory of that oh really exciting mainland banner I mean she won the cup at a 17th start it was quite uh, the only four-year-old mare still to ever do that um, she only started racing 11 months earlier as a maiden three-year-old filly. We bought her about two months before that for um, a reasonable sum of money. And uh, she was just an outstanding mare. And, I mean, that was one of the most exciting days, especially as I failed as a driver. I had two seconds with Master and, mm. and uh, a few unlucky runs and bits and pieces. It's, uh, a cup's not an easy race to win, but um, even Dex, uh, as good a driver as he is, he, before he went to America, he had a, a second, and might have been two seconds himself. So it's not an easy race to win. So to win that as a trainer for the first time was, uh, for me, was incredibly exciting. Oh, I guess uh, you look at the pattern of the race uh, as well, two-mile race, but, uh, you know, you look at the start, and, I mean, it must be for a trainer in particular a very nervous time, uh, you know, if you're not even sitting behind one, you're watching from the stand, and today you'll be watching on TV. You've got four horses in the race, uh, and the first thing, I guess, for uh, you wish for is them for all to get away. Um, and to me, that even as a punter, that's a hell of a moment. It is, and, it's, and things have changed, Ian, because in the early days we had handicaps, you know, and so you always horses had, had horses on 10 and maybe even 20, and then you had unruly horses on the front that you're all sort of concentrated up trying to get a fair start, and it made it um, pretty awkward at times, to tell you the truth. But nowadays, with only a front-line mark, it makes it a lot, a lot better. At uh, the start of this year, Ricky Donnelly is insisting that the horses stand before he lets them go, so that can be a wee bit of a trick as well, but it does um, really rule out the guys that are trying to be a wee bit cleverer than, than, and get a running start, and we don't want that at all, so I think it's a good move, but um, I'm very fortunate we've got four horses in the race, as you said, and every one of them's drawn on the front line. Uh, the worst beginner this season has been Henry Jubert, who's a very, very good horse, but he's drawn out wide, so it's going to suit him down the big ground. And the other three, including Classy, have all drawn inside five, and they're all really good beginners, so we're very fortunate. Well, Classy Brigade has been uh, in pretty good form leading into the into the race uh, on, uh, I think, about the third line of betting or second line of betting at the moment. Um, tell us uh, tell us about the four. Um, Classy Brigade, still the show, Henry Hubert, and, uh, of course, Matt Damon. Yep, well, I'll start with the first one. Classy, of course, he, he's, uh, this is about a third or fourth go in the Cup, and three, two years ago, uh, he was very, very unlucky, we thought. He ran third and got held up just only about 200 metres to go at a crucial time. 
uh, which probably, you know, um, cost him having a good chance of winning that race. Last year he drew really second line 16, so it, it uh, you know, it, because he's such a brilliant beginner, it went against him a little bit. Uh, his form's been outstanding this year, and he is still the second fastest two-miler in history. I think he's gone 254, so we know he can run the time. And you'd hate to, you know, sometimes it's a bit like old um, uh, Ross Taylor. The older you get, the better you get. And old Henry, I mean, Cassie's doing that. He's eight guys and nine. Well, he really is nine out in the old old fashion, in the old time of their age group bracket. And um, he's definitely got better this season, so he's in with a, a real big chance. Henry Hubert, um, Ian, is, is a horse that uh, has gone good, terrific races all season. He's missed away in a couple. We put him on only for three starts just to get his confidence back, and he began really well every time. So he's back off the unruly today, and, of course, he's drawn out wide, which is going to suit him. He's a great staying horse himself. He ran fourth in last year's cup, so we know he can go the two miles, and he's improved on what he did last year. So he, he's in with a chance himself. Still, the show's drawn one, and he's a great beginner, and he's a great follower of pace. He's a year away probably from being a real cup horse. He's not quite there yet, but, you know, he could sneak into the first five quite easily. And Matt Damon's probably the least of our four um, uh, chances today, but he deserves his place. He ran fourth in last year's Auckland Cup, and it was a great run, too, and that's a good, very, very strong field. So he'll, he'll be another horse that'll probably just follow pace and... Um, It'd be great for Matt Henry if he uh, if he win a great race. I think, I'd say it would be great for Matt Henry. Um, yeah, because he's not going uh, on the tour overseas. I thought he might have been. To be fair, uh, yeah, no, well, I, I, yeah uh, I think they'll miss him. Actually, uh, he's a hell of a he's a hell of a good unit, uh, and he's never ever let them down. So that surprises me a wee bit. And I, and I like the Ross Taylor uh, analogy as well. He would too. Uh, you, you've got, uh, as yeah. I said, you've got fourteen in throughout the day. Um, outside of the, of the cup, where perhaps should should we be looking um, from the Dunn Stable? Yeah, well, I think I think Johnny's. Uh, well, everybody's pretty confident with uh, Bashing Major. He he was um, very strong in the in the four year or four year old Nolder race at um, Kaikoura. He went as, as did, uh, got you covered. They both went super races. Um, most of the horses are actually uh, in really good form at the moment. Um, I do like uh, all cashed up, and the uh, she won very good for Corbin Newman, the young duty driver in the stable. He drove a really good race on here, and I think she's a really good chance herself. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, look, it's hard day cup day to win a race. Everybody knows that sometimes you can go away with you know 15 or 16 horses and not even a win, and it's just that type of day. Uh, you know, the fields are pretty even all day, but I think there would be a better chances. And uh, in saying that, um, all the trains said all the horses are really well, and he's played the way they're all trained. So, what is it for you today, Robert? Is a, a, a day um, watching trackside, basically? Is that uh, is that what it's down to? That's what it's down to. We're just about. We've got one horse to work at the stables up here in Auckland. We're um, down flat stick to get all finished nice and early, and uh, so we'll head away shortly. I've got an interview with trackside coming up shortly and um, we'll do that and then it'll be just to relax and watch it on TV and uh, just wish the, everybody on the day has, has a lot of luck and, and our team goes super and if we're lucky enough to win the cup well it'll be just um, the icing on the cake yeah, Wouldn't it Robert? Hey just before I let you go Dexter's flying isn't he? I've, I've been following him overseas and, and he's actually picked up uh, awards and, and uh, he's had a couple of fantastic seasons in a row well, he's had two. He's on his third one in a row now. But look, I just let everybody know he's all right. Though. He had a terrible smash yesterday. Right. Um, at, at Harrods Chester, he got um, caught behind a horse that fell when he was the first to go, and horses went over the top of him. And he was pinned down for four minutes by two horses. Um, 
he's out of hospital now uh, and recovering, but he's got a leg injury and elbow injury, and um, he's out of the woods, but he, it's, it's got to be monitored pretty closely. He's very, very lucky when you watch the uh, crash that Harry come out of it without getting really, really badly hurt. You'd never, you wouldn't know. It was quite horrific, really. And we saw it live. We were just going out to work horse yesterday, and we saw it live on telly um, with the foreman and I, and we just looked at each other and just thought, not good. But anyway, um, he's pretty um, old Dex, he's pretty tough. And yeah. um, he said to me this morning that he had a good night's sleep and um, the drugs have kicked in pretty good on him, so hopefully he'll be all right. But he's heading for his, he's heading for his third, um, uh, third year in a row of leading money winner. He's about a half a million in front of Timmy Chetrick, his good friend. And he's having another fantastic season again, so um, we'll see if he can recover from this and, and get back on the bandwagon before the season um, finishes. Well, uh, let's hope today from uh, the Dunn stable that Robert Dunn can have his uh, 1,693rd career win uh, and it may be one of your four horses. Robert, thanks so much for your time this morning. Really enjoyed catching up with you and uh, enjoy the racing from as far as much as you can. Yeah, thanks very much, Ian. It's a pleasure to uh, listen to your station and also to your company. I love them. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks so much for, for, for taking the time. I, I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, give our best to Dexter when you can too. Thank you. Oh, I will do. Thank you. Cheers. 10.15 here on SENZ. Um, so, yeah, big uh, big interest uh, across the board there. 14 horses from uh, the Dunn Stable today. I hope you were writing them down. I was. Uh, so if you can't get it from uh, Robert Dunn, it ain't worth getting when it comes to horses from uh, that particular barn. So there we go, uh, JD, um, 10.15. So I hope you wrote them down as well. Uh, we're going to talk to Ricky May later in the program as well. We're going to get him actually into our, our studio here in our corporate box uh, and uh, meet the man himself. He's got a very, very busy day. Uh, he's driven, uh, incidentally, by the way, I should just say, uh, career earnings for the Dunn stable for uh, Robert Dunn, career earnings $20.1 million. Uh, for Ricky May, in terms of driving, uh, career earnings $32.9 million. Man, that is something. So, uh, yeah, any news from up there at headquarters? Mate, the texts are just flooding in, and great, great interview, man. Uh, the Dunn family, just amazing, and just that um, Dexter being pinned under a horse for four mm. minutes. Horses are mm. massive, Smithy. They you are know, like man, getting pinned under one of those for four minutes. But now, nah, lots of uh, texts coming in about our Mount Rushmore today, which is of course your four favourite Canterbury sporting icons. Or if you're from outside of Canterbury, maybe you want to share some that just really annoyed you. Um, but we've got heaps coming through. Uh, one that you'd probably enjoy, Smithy. Uh, given that they can come from anywhere, here goes Richard Hadley, Richie McCaw, Erin Baker and Sophie Pascoe and he's got some runners up as well Andrew Mertens, Dan Carter, Barry Maester and that's from Cheers from David in Wellington Ah, Barry Maester, Canterbury Hockey Absolutely, Barry Maester, Selwyn Maester the great Canterbury Hockey name Hmm, I just everywhere Dick Motts, what about Dick Motts the first uh, New Zealand bowler I think to get 100 test wickets Fantastic uh, I... <sighs> What about Guy Havelt? Is he on the list? No, but he's on the panel, and Patrick oh. McKendry, both can tab. So, oh, yeah, God, Guy oh. Havelt would love to be on our Mount Rushmore, wouldn't he? He'd love to be, but he never will be. Not unless it's a very, very, very small mountain there. That's all I can say about that. But they will be with us shortly, Guy Havelt and, and um, yeah, Patrick McKendry, uh, when we come back here on SCNZ. <laughs> Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 
It is 10.22 here on SENZ. It's Cup Day. I'm in Christchurch. I'm at the Addington Raceway. People now starting to arrive. Those people are allowed to be here, mostly workers. Uh, people in the press gallery are arriving. Some, uh, lots, uh, Obviously, a lot of trainers' horses will be arriving now shortly, and they're taking the water truck. Believe it, they're taking the water truck around the track right now, putting copious amounts of, of water on uh, across the whole of the width of the track at the moment so even though it's uh, still a little bit of uh, mizzle uh, misty drizzle in the air uh, they're making uh, sure there's no problems at all with the track no the panel today uh, Guy Havelt um, Pat McKendry both very proud Cantabrians I, I arrived at the track this morning uh, and there it was we miss Guy Havelt out on the gateway I can't believe it so uh, good morning <laughs> good morning to you Good morning to you, Guy. Uh, I can also tell you they've cut the hedge down the main straight nice. They must have thought you were coming. They've cut it nice and low so you could see over the top. Um, <laughs> so what are, you, what are your favourite memories of Cup Day? Jeez, you're in good form this morning. For the, I was actually just hovering over the, the hang-up button when you were describing the scene, man. Very jealous of you being there uh, and, and, and disappointed and I suppose upset as well for for Kiwis and, and Cantabrians, particularly who aren't able to get there today. Uh, look, my, my memories I've been to Cup Day, not as much as I would have liked, actually, probably two or three times. Uh, it's just a, a fantastic day. I, I hear today, as you say, a, a bit of drizzle or whatever, misty, misty drizzle, mizzle, as you call it. Uh, usually, it, it is a beautiful, clear, blue sky day, somehow, most years on, on Cup Day Tuesday, and I just remember rocking up and, and back in those days when I was 18 or 19, you know, you'd have a few drinks under you and it would turn into a bit of a party. But um, no, it's always been a fantastic day and catching up with friends and that sort of thing. And as you know, I'm a big racing fan, so getting to watch the best uh, harness racing horses going around is always a, always a highlight as well. So yeah, it's disappointing that it can't have fans this year, but uh, it's like it's, well, I'm sure it will be a, a great day from a, from a pure racing point of view and from the party point of view, let's hope uh, it can continue elsewhere, and then you can get back into the tournament next year. Yeah, uh, let, yeah, let's uh, let's all hope for that. I'm sure Canterbury will be parting as we speak. I look out the window, I can almost see uh, champagne corks popping around the area. Anyway, uh, but just not in uh, in the raceway itself. What about you, Pat? Uh, from one of Canterbury's favourite sons. What about your memories of of Cup Day? Um, yeah, it's that guy. Yeah, I guess um, it's normally a very nice day, and unfortunately, it's not. Uh, down there at the moment, so you got here from your forecast uh, and, and description. Certainly, it's not as nice as it is in Auckland this morning. It's beautiful up here, um, but uh, yeah, I guess the weather. The um, I, I, I'm not a huge um, follower of the horses myself, but I do have uh, sort of family connections who are well in the game, including a distant relative in Morris McHendry, the great driver, mm. um, and so. Um, yeah, it's just a great day out, isn't it? And, it, and it's sort of it's so significant for Cantabrians because really it's sort of a gateway for summer and um, many see it as that and, it, and it's generally, um, you know, you sort of, um, uh, it, it's the end of autumn, it's, uh, it's the end of spring, sorry, we're into summer and it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good big day out and I, and I hope that although obviously um, pundits aren't allowed on course, they, they make the most of it and in the various hospitality areas around the city uh, because I'm sure it'll be very popular.
Yeah, I think most of the bars are booked out, and especially those with the TAB facilities. So, um, so you, you might uh, see the, uh, the Sorry We're Full sign on most of those if you haven't made plans to do so in the Canterbury area. But having said that, uh, it's still all go here, and uh, we're hoping for to reflect some of the atmosphere. Anyway, um, Pat, while, we, while uh, we've got you uh, in the chair at the moment, uh, the T20 World Cup is getting to the very serious stage. Wednesday, uh, Thursday morning, 3 o'clock New Zealand time. New Zealand, England, uh, are you confident? Uh, especially without Jason Roy, England have had a hiccup there. Mm. Yes, it's quite significant, isn't it? Roy being ruled out with a calf injury. Um, I, I think that will uh, affect uh, England to, to a large extent, not only because he's such a destructive uh, batter at, at the top of the innings. Uh, I think it probably will. I think their confidence a little bit. He's a pretty good fielder as well, I think. Uh, and so certainly uh, it'll help New Zealand's cause. I think New Zealand looks settled, confident. Um, they they just seem to be in, in sort of in, in charge of things and control. Um, I think uh, certainly I've been really impressed with, with the game awareness. Uh, a lot of their senior guys, uh, have shown, including uh, Daryl Mitchell, the relatively inexperienced uh, opener, and so yeah. I think it bodes well. I, I'd certainly, if I was, I am a New Zealand fan, obviously, I'd, I'd, I'm fairly confident going into this one. And given uh, some recent uh, success in, in the test uh, test arena against England. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. I, I don't think we've got anything to fear there uh, from from that point of view, Guy. And and I, I'm, not, I'm not quite, uh, I'm not that worried either because I don't think we worry about the big stage anymore. No, and, and it's something that this team has done exceptionally well over the years. They, they and they say this themselves, and sometimes I, it's not great for a quote in terms of the media. You'd like them to get pretty pumped up, but you know they say. They live by the adage that they don't get too excited by the highs and they don't get too down by the lows. So this, to them, really is, is, is just about figuring out how to beat England. It's nothing more than that. Look, on Jason Roy, I suspect they'll probably promote Johnny Bairstow to, to open uh, alongside Joff, Joff Butler. Uh, we know Johnny Bairstow, uh, he's gone through a little bit of, of up-and-down form in recent times, but uh, he's still pretty destructive when he wants to be. So they'll be formidable at the top. And in and, and this it really reminds me a little bit of the 2019 semi-final, the 50-over semi-final against India, where if you take a couple of wickets early, uh, you will instantly get in the heads of the opposition. We saw that with India. They crumbled completely in that semi-final. If you do the same to England in this particular T20 semi-final, I, I think they have the potential to crumble as well. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm quietly confident that this Black Caps team can win that game and then I'm also quietly confident that they can go the whole way in this tournament. I didn't think they were too far off Pakistan at all. I think they, they, they've played every opposition so far expertly, uh, and I think they've got pretty good plans in place. And, and I, I just like the way that they're, they're starting to head into this tournament. I'd probably just put the knockers on them, but uh, <laughs> they've been playing well so far, so um, let's hope it can continue. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm with both of you guys, uh, and uh, I kind of feel uh, every time we talk to anyone about it at the moment, everyone's got that feel good about the, the Black Caps, and they're very confident in them, and that is because I think Williamson and, and Stead and that have, have just given us that feeling of uh, consistency. Uh, stay with us, uh, please, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to go for the news. When we come back, it's time to get serious about the All Blacks because the big games are just around the corner. Talk, big opinions, the panel.
Uh, panel part two, we've got uh, Pat McKendry and Guy Havel, two proud Cantabrians uh, in the panel today and uh, Pat let's uh, t- start talking the All Blacks and I think it's time we started to talk about them a little bit more seriously, we've had three games that really didn't raise too much excitement but now all of a sudden we've got Ireland and Ireland, um, they've, um, <coughs> they've been very good against us of late uh, how do you see this shaping up and what do you think the, the All Black team will end up looking like? Yeah, look, I think, uh, to be sure, I think that, that test against Wales was a significant one. And uh, I think they were pretty impressive in, in beating Wales so comprehensively in Cardiff, which is uh, which was a fantastic occasion by the looks of it. Um, they were, the All Blacks obviously were pretty poor against Italy early on. But, look, I, I don't think uh, fans should be too worried about that in terms of how significant that was or is. Um, as a very inexperienced lineup. Um, they arrived in Rome knowing they were going to win. It was just a matter of how much. And I think it highlighted uh, both that inexperience in certain areas and also uh, the importance of the mental side of the game because you don't need to be off too much for things to sort of start slipping. So um, certainly the mentality will be will be there uh, in, in Dublin and so will the experience. And I think that'll make a huge difference. Um, but, you know, they'll, they'll enter the field knowing that uh, it, it potentially is a 50-50 game and they've lost in Dublin before uh, and they're not too distant past and so they'll, need to, they'll know that they'll need to be switched on to get to get the victory and I think, um, you know, it, it will probably highlight a few things uh, in terms of uh, how far the All Blacks have come this season um, uh, under Ian Foster and it, it is uh, the next couple of weeks of potentially season-defining. It is actually, um, and I'm with you on that. And we've just had a, a text in from Richard uh, Guy to say the hedges might be low, but Guy might still have trouble seeing the races if you're standing in front of him. I, look, I'm not. It, it's almost getting personal. I'm, it's getting personal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I've, I've had it all before, Smithy. It's, it's all good, mate. It's all good. He's doing it right, though. When I go to a concert, uh, I need to be chucked off some shoulders. Put it on. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be in the mosh pit. Uh, here, now, listen here, guy. Um, the All Blacks, yeah, absolutely right. Um, combinations here. We're looking at uh, the 10 jersey. I mean, was Richie good enough to say that Bowden won't be playing, uh, starting as 101st? Or uh, where, where do you see um, those those interesting selection points? Uh, uh, look, I, I would I would frankly probably go back to the exact backline that they had against Wales. Uh, I, I thought that backline was, was just superb. They were so slick. Uh, Barrett, Barrett was exceptional, uh, the midfield was good, and then you've got, I would argue, the best back three in, in world rugby at the moment, and Ioane, Will Jordan, and obviously Geordie Barrett as well. So I, I would probably stick with the exact same back line. The only one where I might change things up is, is perhaps uh, kick Brad Weber at, at halfback instead of TJ Pitamata. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure TJ is the best halfback in the world. At, at, well, in New Zealand at the moment, obviously, he's not behind, he's behind Aaron Smith, but we just got Aaron Smith on the side at the moment since he's not there. I, I'm not sure DJ's the best halfback on this tour, so I, I'd probably go Weber. But outside of that, yeah, I'd bring back the back line that, that we saw uh, against Wales. Uh, they were so good, and, and I just think that, that if they get some decent, for, decent ball from no doubt a, a pretty different fullback as well, uh, then I, I think they'll be pretty comfortable against, against Ireland. But I am excited about the fact that we do have a game that... that you know, I, we don't know the result of before it's been played because I think that's been the problem with the last three weeks. 
Uh, with all due respect, even against Wales, you kind of knew what, what the result was going to be, that the All Blacks were going to win easily. So I'm just excited to, to have a game to wake up to and, and, and not necessarily know the result before it starts. You know, Guy, there's a, an ugly trend developing in the UK sport and it's about pitch invasion. And, and whilst it's funny for a lot of people, those of us that work at grounds, etc., know it's not that funny in the end because every time it happens, there's more and more security visible every damn time and it becomes a, a lot less user-friendly facility. So we've got this uh, guy who um, and has now been banned by uh, the Welsh uh, Rugby Union for his invasion uh, over the weekend and we've got this idiot Jarvo 69 who, who seems to be able to for some reason just walk out into the middle of the field during national anthems and tag on I mean what the hell is going on here I particularly uh, you know the novelty's long worn off for me on this Oh the novelty wore off but maybe the first one with Jarvo was, was ever so slightly amusing because he was in the kit and that sort of thing and ever since then uh, I don't think idiot is a strong enough word for me. I know you probably can't use the word that you want to on, on radio, but the guy is an absolute dickhead. Uh, and and I, I, as you say, the, the, the guy who came onto the pitch in, in Wales uh, against South Africa has been banned for life. How on earth has Jarvo not been banned for, for life from live sport anywhere? Uh, the guy is an idiot. As you say, he seems like he's not going to cause any problems, but if we just if we just turn a blind eye to this and laugh along to this the whole time, one day someone is going to get on the park and, 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 and hurt uh, or do something to a player uh, or an official or whatever it might be. We've seen it a couple of times in the sport past with the likes of Monica Sellers and, and, uh, and the referee, I can't remember mm. his name, uh, in that South Africa test against the All Blacks. No one wants to see that. Uh, and if people are going to continue to get away with this and if security is going to be so lax, uh, it is going to continue to happen, and, and yeah, things things need to improve because it also takes away from from what we report on some stuff the next day as well. Because everyone's all talking about this, these bloody idiots from the crowd. I want to talk about the sport, not some moron who's wearing a, a, a jersey with a number on the back of it and trying to get his, his face in front of television. Yeah, Pat, where do you where do you stand on this? I, I've watched this guy. I've seen the footage of his mate on his phone filming this guy as he goes down from high up in the stand, step by step by step, all the way down to the very yeah. front row, um, without a, seat, a, a ticket, obviously, to sit in that area, and his mate behind him. Uh, the steward is sitting at the bottom of the stairs, does absolutely nothing about it, and all of a sudden this guy just jumps, and he only makes it onto the field by about three or four yards. But there is a piece of play that basically goes over the top of him, yeah. which is quite dangerous in that respect. But it's just, uh, I mean, uh, the, the, the sad thing is the majority think it's great. Yeah, firstly, on, on, on that uh, on that case, that incident uh, in the Wales South Africa game, I, I don't know who he thought that that sort of thing would appeal to. Um, you know, I, I just don't see anyone who would find that in any way amusing or funny. Um, and this guy apparently is a player himself and he may belong to a club. Um, and he's, he's subsequently been banned from uh, from. Principality Stadium for life um, and the other thing is uh, as Guy said it, it's a, the old copycat business and it, and it uh, encourages other people to have a go as well um, it, you just I might sound like a bit of a grumpy old man now but you just wonder about the common sense of people these days sometimes don't you You know, mm -hmm. with all the things that are happening around the world including in New Zealand you know, the protests going on and and people protesting about the loss of freedom and the standing with placards outside vaccination centres. You know, it's just it's just madness. Um, 
And so it just makes you wonder, but certainly um, it, it's got to be stamped out, this business of encroaching onto the field of play because guys right, um, someone could get hurt and, and it, even if they are, it, it affects the, the game itself because as we saw, Wales potentially could have scored a try against South Africa in the incident and, uh, and they mm. were prevented from it. Yeah, I, I don't. I honestly, I'm past it. I'm, I'm simply past it, uh, gentlemen. I know you can't be with us down here uh, in Cup Day, but uh, if it brings back a few memories and you're able to watch it, uh, have have a good afternoon. Thanks so much for your your input on the panel uh, this morning. And, you, can't, uh, you can't let us go, somebody without giving us a tip. No, um, well, I like the favourite. I'm a bit of a favourite backer. Uh, so I do like the favourite, and I've um, I've been a supporter of it for quite some time, and uh, so uh, I, I really do. There's word out for for classy brigade, but I like self assured, self assured, which sort of sums you up, guy. Really, to be fair, sort of self assured, <laughs> sort of a bloke. Uh, I'm not sure if there's one in there um, for you. Um, Pembroke Playboy's been scratch pat, so you're no good. You're out. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I'd, 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 I'd go self assured too. Uh, yeah. you know, I hope I hope Mark Jordan does it. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's fine. Thank you very yeah, much, uh, gentlemen. Yeah, self-assured. So uh, I can safely say you're not down here, guys, so they can take that little box down that you normally stand on to watch the race. They can take it and put it back in the shed till next year. Thanks very much, gentlemen, for your input this time around. Uh, we'll have more from the panel tomorrow morning when, incidentally, I shall be at Rickerton for the midweek day, Copeland's Mile Day. I'm looking forward to that as well. But so much business at hand still to attend to here on SENZ, here on Cup Day at Addington. Harness and Gallops, cross-coding like Prime SBW. It's Mornings with Ian Smith, live from New Zealand Cup Week. Live from uh, Addington Raceway here, folks. It's 10.46 here. We're uh, around about an hour and a half away from uh, the first race uh, on show here. Uh, time to go at about 12.15. 12 races on the card today and uh, the New Zealand Cup uh, time to go around uh, 5 to 6 this evening. And that is race number 11. If you're looking to have a bet on that specifically or throughout the day, there are a number of leading chances. We've just heard from Robert Dunn. And after 11 o'clock, we're going to hear from the man himself. He's going to come into the studio, sit down, and we'll have a yarn. He hasn't got to drive Ricky May in the cup, but he's got many drives throughout the day uh, and memory, many memories, of course, of success here in this prestigious, prestigious race. Uh, John, um, we've had a few more texts. In, but give us, first of all, please, can you outline details of our coverage here? for the races at Addington and the backup meeting to the Gallops meeting at Te Aroha today. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Yeah, we got a text in from Ernie. He's actually at Te Aroha manning the float entrance. Uh, so g'day, Ernie, and thanks for listening to SENZ. It passes the day, he says, and he says, are we doing commentaries today, Addington and Te Aroha? We are, Ernie. Uh, we're doing all the races at Addington and the big races at Te Aroha will be taken care of there, Smithy. So very much uh, racing and sport today on SENZ. It's cool, absolutely cool. And uh, Staffy throughout his show, of course, leading into to Kirsty and uh, to Beaver uh, later this afternoon. So uh, we will not be neglecting uh, race lovers and particularly those that cannot be on course today, which, uh, as we repeat, is the big downer for it. But uh, now we've got uh, we've had the water track going. Now we've got two tractors going around. 
uh, and they've basically got, uh, what have they got on the back, like mobile rakes on the back of them, uh, and they're just evening out the surface as well. Just seen Greg O'Connor walking down the track. So uh, it's starting starting to just uh, heat up a wee bit, John. Uh, As as has the text line, uh, the text numbers have been pretty big today. A lot of people like uh, Canterbury sportsmen or don't, one or the other. Yeah, exactly. We asked for Mount Rushmore text, and today is our top four Canterbury sporting icons, and uh, we've got one from Jamie Wall, who's our regular panellist, tongue-in-cheek, saying his uh, favourite Canterbury sports person is Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh, the referee. <laughs> well, there was two. There was two Steve Walsh referees. Remember, there was good Steve Walsh and bad Steve Walsh. <laughs> bad Steve Walsh. Bad Steve Walsh ended up going overseas, didn't he? Uh, yeah. And to referee out of uh, Australia, I think. And there was good Steve Walsh. who didn't have to go anywhere. But yes, he polarised people. Steve Walsh. I remember Steve Walsh, the referee. He was. It was a bit like Elvis Presley refereeing there at one stage, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. He was a bit of a dude. It was a bit of a dude. He was a dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that 2001 Shield Challenge with Wellington, uh, he really copped it that day oh, when Ben Blair scored the winner. So, um, no Ben Blair uh, that I've seen people text in, but other ones I've seen, um, McCaw, Carter, Mertens and Sophie Pascoe. That's from John. Uh, Hi, Smithy, I'm a bit younger, so a bit biased to younger sportsmen for Canterbury. I'd have Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, Richard Hadley and Sophie Pascoe. Morning. <laughs> Smithy, Richie McCaw, Richard Hadley, John Britton. And being Cup Day, I'd say Mark Purden, Smithy, who can equal uh, Ricky May's record of seven Cup wins today. Can do. Absolutely can do, and there's always room for a bit of a history in this time-honoured event. So uh, we'll look towards that. There's a just looking at the, at the big screen. They're showing replays on the big screen to probably nobody, but I can see them. Uh, and there is a horse racing today called Harold Smith, believe it or not. And my grandfather's name was Robert Harold Stockley Smith. Oh, so I might, have a dollar, oh, I might have a dollar each way on that. Uh, 10.50 here on SENZ. When we come back, we've got to. We simply have to talk to Louis Herman Watt on this big day. He's been busy already. And uh, Paul Mawati from the TAB. In the Garden City for New Zealand Cup Week. Got a tip? Let him know on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Cup day in Christchurch. Uh, Louis Herman Watt is not down here, which I'm pretty damn happy about, actually. But his number one man, Liam, is alongside me. He's got his uh, little boys get paid badge on his lapel. So he's doing a great job for me, giving me all the information. Louis, so uh, you've done well there in getting your replacement. Uh, what have you got lined up for us today, <laughs> apart from the obvious? That's really, that is very reassuring to hear that Liam is uh, pulling finger and doing you and SENZ justice, mate. Uh, I'm Gallifin, not on track, but look, thoroughbred racing today at Te Araha. And this might sound like I'm just kind of po- cozying up to, you know, the big chief, the skip, Baz McCullum. But in all honesty, when I looked through the field today, I actually thought Tabata was probably the bit of the day. Race 7. Yes, Brenda McCullum owns Tabata. It's drawn barrier five against Joe Cameroon and claiming down to 59. The cash is on, six bucks into $4.20, but I still think 420 you can have some of that and be laughing the way to the bank. The big threat in the race is Packing Joy. Marshy always also trains that as well, but I think Stephen Marsh will have a good read on which horse is going for better or better place today. And in the rating 74, race seven at Yaraha, over 1,400 metres, I think Tabata can get us the cash, Smithy. Okay, uh, anything uh, anything for a bit of value anywhere else, or are you just keeping your powder dry today? No, no, I'm punting, but I'm punting harness. 
I'm punting honestly. I mean, it's, it's a great town. It's a New Zealand thoroughbred racing, but the whole week is a great week. It's a festival. The codes all get together and they enjoy themselves. Um, look, I think the market's pretty much told us what's happening in the harness racing for this. In the first, well, the cash has come. American Pride, $3.30 to $2.30. This, mm. I've spoken to the TAB this morning. This is the worst result, or maybe one of the worst results on the whole card for the TAB. So if punters can get it right, right with the third and Cullen trained American Pride in the first, we're having a great day. And I think Krug just wins in race five, doesn't it? I mean, I just feel like Cran's tipped it. He knows the horse. It's just going to get to the front and bowl along if I can uh, figure out what's happening here. So Krug in race five as well. Okay, good on you. I've got Ricky May just after 11 o'clock, so make sure you stay listening for that one. Uh, Louis, we're going to go across uh, to uh, Pip Morris, uh, who's at the TAB. Hi, Pip. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on. It's such a, a, a great day, uh, Cup Day, although without the fans today, but a huge day for, for you people at the TAB, I'm sure. Oh, it certainly is, Smitty. Good morning to you. And look, we might get to be on track, but we'll get to watch it all on track side and hopefully uh, see it unfold. And, and there's much to look forward to. We can't wait for it. What a big day. And we've got plenty to look forward to. I just heard Louis talking about American Pride there. I can tell you, too, there's been two bets on him at $1,000 at, at that $2.30 quote in those first two races. And they're bonus back as well. So if we do want to play against the favourite, uh, they were always getting involved in. Uh, and... Um I've just had a chat, uh, Pip, to Greg O'Connor. He's just poked his nose in to say uh, the Pundas Club, from our point of view, is up around $80,000, but expected perhaps to double uh, before they get to the business end, and he's pretty nervous. <laughs> you would be with that kind of money, but look, you're in safe hands, aren't you, because you know that they'll tip you into a winner or two. I think if I was uh, playing that Pundas Club, I'd be pretty happy sitting back and letting them play with Thanks, my money. Uh, we can't let you go without a quick uh, tip for the cup, Pip. Look, I like copy that. Uh, obviously, okay. living up in Auckland, Ray Green, um, I know he's drawn at the eight there, but best rangeman in the country, Blair Orange in the bike. And look, I think they'll be back to try and uh, right the wrongs of last year. So I'm happy to go with copy that. Good on you. Thanks very much, Pip. Well, I'm very pleased to say uh, Ricky Mays uh, just sat on a seat alongside me and uh, I'm so looking forward to talking to him because I've always loved watching Ricky May do what he does. He's, he owns this cup meeting. He has over the past. So uh, I'm looking forward to chatting him straight after the 11 o'clock news. Uh, here's Trudy with that. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand and today he's live from New Zealand Cup Week. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. It's 11.03 here on SENZ. We head into the last hour of our show uh, as we uh, get ready for Cup Day in earnest on the track. It's not far away, about an hour and a quarter to the first today. And uh, I'm really honoured now because uh, the, the gentleman that's just coming and sat on the seat alongside me is a legend in this particular sport. Uh, and he has owned Cup Day on a number of occasions. And just off mic, we've been talking about um, some of his little... Um, his little feelings from the past with some of the horses he's been associated with. Uh, I, I really, I could le- read out this whole list of uh, what Ricky May's done. Over 3,000 winners, 50 Group 1 winners, 44 years of driving for God's sake. He's won seven New Zealand Cups. That's the most important thing because it's Cup Day here and he's uh, alongside me. Ricky May, you haven't got to drive today, Ricky, but uh, it's still Cup Day for you. Yeah, no, it is. It's just a shame the people aren't here. I think that's probably going to be the biggest difference for me, at any rate. But um, 
any rate, we are here, we are racing, so that's the main thing. Um, yeah, as you say, you, you'll miss the atmosphere, uh, I think. But you, you made a great... St- Monkey King, when you drove Monkey King for the second time with 20-odd thousand people, to relate that story when you drove them out. Well, I always remember, um, well, I think it was his second cup, and he was unruly, so he was the last horse on the track, and the whole crowd just clapped him, and it sort of <laughs> brings real tinkles up your spine to be fair it was um yeah i've never felt anything like it really that's that's before the race and then of course he won it he made it better mm. the drive from a driving point of view does this day feel totally different to a normal friday night here at the same track oh definitely it's uh, probably the hardest day in the year to win a race you've got to have really really good horses mm. they've got to be very good and you know um you know, it is an honour to win one actually on Cup Day. So you've won uh, seven of them, um, Monkey King in particular, uh, two behind Terra to Love. I noticed there's a sign in the back straight with Terra to Love. Um, tell us about the memories of Terra to Love. Yeah, no, well, it was uh, sort of come at the right time, Terra, and when Jimmy Curtin won with him, it was just after the earthquakes and mm. sort of, you know, do three years in a row it was the same colours as Canterbury as well so it sort of made things pretty big but um, when he won his last cup was just unreal performance wasn't it? Yeah I mean they're all special and as you say it's such a damned hard uh, race to win. Uh, standing start uh, let's go right from uh, when the, the tapes go up that's a nervous time from a driving point of view I'm sure Well it's the most important part of the race to me, any start because um, you're sort of going to know where you're going to end up or Anything can go wrong that first 100 metres. Um, definitely in a cup, it is a big thing, yeah. Yeah, it is a big thing. So uh, is there any advantage? Um, I was talking um, a little bit earlier to, uh, to Robert Dunn about the fact that things have changed in terms of the start now, in terms of the way they line them up. Yeah, well, they used to have handicaps, so the better horses were handicapped. And um, there used to be a barrier, which is only 10 metres, between probably 13 or 14 horses off the front and one might be off 10. It sort of gives you more room, a lot more room at the start. It makes it a bit fairer. I'm sure it's a lot better way they've done it. What about tactically um, in terms of, uh, is, there, uh, is there wind involved or is anything like that involved in, uh, on this track? Yeah, no, definitely get easterly wind coming down the front straight and you've got to go into it three times in a cup. So, you know, it's, it's pretty hard on the ones up, like the leader or the parked horse that's they're going into that wind. Um, you know, it does come into it a wee bit, but... You know, you've got to try and conserve every bit of energy you got or your horse has got. What about from a driving point of view? I mean, you know, people sort of sit there and think, well, you're sitting behind this, this horse and, and it's doing all the hard work. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it taxing? Is it physically taxing, mentally taxing? Oh, it usually is. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, especially if you've got a favourite in the cup, it's a pretty mental thing, I guess. You've got to, you're trying to do the best you can. So, no, mentally it is a pretty taxing day. You usually... You know, like bug it at the end of it, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's look at, um, you know, your, your, over those seven, what's the most memorable? Oh, I mean, they're all great. You can't take anything away from any horse I've ever driven in the cup, but um, I suppose Inky Lord's first cup was probably my most memorable because it was my first and the way he'd done it. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, Terra de Loves was phenomenal too, but. Um, and then, you know, it was really strong field and uh, to get checked sort of 500 out and did what he'd done. I mean, a lot of people haven't seen the video mm. of it, but it was an unbelievable run. So, I mean, as I say, you've driven over 3,000 winners, man, and, and you've still got the, the appetite? Yeah, well, I'll probably get into the end now. There's all these young ones coming up behind you. 
push you off your pedestal. Um, don't probably drive for the big stables I used to, which was a pretty big help. Um, drove for some great stables. And um, they always come along with a pretty good horse. So a bit lucky to miss all that these days. But you never know, might pick one up one of these days. Well, you haven't got to drive in the cup today, so you, uh, you'll be able to sit back and, and watch in a slightly more relaxed mood. What's it like to bring a horse back into the birdcage having won the cup seven times? I mean, <laughs> what's the feeling with the crowd? We're not going to have as much today, but what is that feeling? Oh, it's a great feeling, all right. It's just unbelievable. Before the race, you know... Um, you probably are in with the show but you never think you're going to get there and you know it's worked out pretty good most times must be exhilarating when you turn for home and you know you've got a <laughs> you've got a sniff yeah no that's that's the big thing i mean the horse has got to feel good the whole race you, you know you only know yourself when you drive it and um and I always think of mainland banner who robert was talking about earlier on like she was a phenomenal horse and um before the mile peg I pulled out three wide to go around sit parked and uh, I still don't know why I'd done it but mm. you know it was the winning of the race so. yeah absolutely hey um, well before um, we get into your drives for the day what do you like in the cup oh you probably have to go self assured I know he's got a bad draw but he's probably the most classy horse in the race um, you know he can come off the speed like he's mm. got a lot of speed and can come off the pace pretty good but you know it's um Likes a classy brigade, gets the trail all the way. You know, he's in with a show. He got third in a cup before, and he was a wee bit unlucky in it. So, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's a pretty hard one, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, Mango's horse has been going great as well. So, yeah, I, I I'm still a self. self is, is there a great fellowship and and un, un, underneath there? You know, amongst you guys. I mean, a lot of you have been in the sport for like your life. You've dedicated your life to it. Is there a great fellowship underneath there? Oh, definitely, you always mates off the track, just like the All Blacks and that, aren't they? You always mates off, but when you get on there, you sort of everyone against each other, and if something goes wrong, you've got to get over it. I mean, mm. you mightn't be happy, but uh, you get over it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you can have disappointment about perhaps missing out or having some bad luck in race 11, but you might have a drive in race 12. How do you, how do you turn that around? No, well, you've just got to get over it. You really do, I know. You, you, you might think about it in that, but... Um, yeah, you just you just got to get over it, otherwise you're never going to go any good, so nah, you just okay. got to get on. Let's talk about going good today then. Uh, you have got seven drives uh, starting in race one, which is uh, just over uh, an hour away now. Um, what, what are we looking at, at your, your chances throughout the day? Oh, the, it's going to be pretty hard for most of them, I'd say. Um, you know, um, there's some class horses in every race, but then again, you get the right run. It could be good enough to get you there, you know, that's the biggest thing. Um, the likes of BD Kassoff, it's he's been going really well. Well, he had his first start at Omaru and went super, but he's had a lot of problems since. So mm-hmm. It's sort of a wait-and-see game with him. So we, we look at, um, you've got uh, Man United in race to Red Harbour. Man United's 15-4, and four, that's decent each way, each way money. Yeah, he's... Um, it's a really, really classy field, and a lot of people have been holding off for this race. So, <laughs> I mean, he, he's going to be all right one day. It's going to be probably pretty tough for him today. Majestic Man, pro, according to the tote anyway, Majestic Man appears to be your best. Uh, Majestic Man, that's Phil Williamson's. Is it? Yeah. Hold it. Hold it. I've got some bad information here. Would Majestic Man actually um, win that win that race, you think? Oh, I do, I do. Have you got one in that? Yeah, I have. Goodness uh, midnight me. Midnight Dash, yeah. 
goodness. That's probably mate. where they made mistake. I'm just second, I'm just second my <laughs> offsider here. He's written all this down. There's one horse difference. Yeah, Liam, you've just gone down a peg there, standing in the back there, shivering in the corner. Okay, so Majestic Man, I should say, is uh, one of the favourites in, in that race. But uh, your best throughout the day then, Ricky? Yeah, well, I thought Boom might go pretty good in the last race. He's yeah. drawn one and he's... Um, 750, yeah. He's been... He's been racing really well. I know it's a good field, but um, I thought if he got a good run, he's quite strong and could finish it off. So I was picking him as my best. Okay. Um, what about, uh, what are you doing between races? Just watch? Or you oh, no, just natter? watch. Yeah. Just natter? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the feeling like underneath you? Because uh, in, in uh, galloping sense, you join the horses in the birdcage underneath, you bring them out, yeah? That's right. Yeah, you've got to go to the... Your owners and trainers are usually down there. The horse when you go and get it, so you always have a natter. Yeah. Do you do you have to ex- explain yourself over the years? Do you have to do you get some demanding owners and you have to explain yourself, etc. Throughout the day. Well, I guess you do sometimes, but most people are pretty good and can read the race themselves. But um, yeah, you know the trainer might, if you haven't driven the horse much, might give you a couple of tips. But um, Generally, generally, they leave it up to you, yeah. Okay. Hey, Ricky, we'll leave it there. I know you've got to go away and uh, get ready throughout the day. Um, it's going to be not the same, though, eh? Not the no, same? No, it's not going to be the same. But maybe anyway. maybe next year? Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty tough on the North Island horses. Eh? Mm. Trainers and drivers can't come down to drive them. You know, it's um, it's worse for them. How does that work for you uh, going north? No, uh, we can't go up there, you can't right? go. You can't get an exemption or anything like that nature? No. No. Well, and let's hope that things free up in the next uh, two or three weeks, eh? Yeah. Big racing up north coming as well. It's been fas- fascinating. I've, uh, I've enjoyed having a chat to you. It's great to meet you in, in this regard. And, and you're looking quite relaxed. I've got to say, you're looking dapper and quite relaxed, mate. <laughs> well, you got to. <laughs> <laughs> you got to. Hey, Ricky May, fantastic. Thanks for joining us on the show. And uh, all those best with those, so those drives you've got, uh, including the Majestic Man, which you probably will be following in. <laughs> Uh, hopefully into the birdcage. All yeah. of us, mate. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Been great. Very good. Ricky May there, folks. Uh, it's 11.14 uh, here on SENZ. We'll be back shortly with uh, some more texts and messages. And uh, I've just got to wipe uh, the uh, blushing off my face and uh, go and punch Liam in the back for giving me false information. Uh, so I'll be back shortly. Thank you. From the track, New Zealand Cup Week on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.19 here on SENZ, uh, working our way through towards uh, midday when Staffy will take over and of course uh, then the boys are coming in throughout the afternoon to feature Cup Day here at Addington. We'll be uh, broadcasting every race uh, live and uh, also some from Te Arawa as well. So a massive, a massive Tuesday here in terms of racing on SENZ. Uh, we're going to be talking very quick, uh, shortly to uh, Catherine McDonald who's the GM of Harness Racing New Zealand. Um, not a uh, not the ideal day, I guess. But what facilities are on? What is happening today? Uh, what kind of hurdles have they had to jump just to get this damn thing uh, up and running today? And the disappointment of not having twenty odd thousand people here, and uh, maybe uh, somehow getting about twelve to fifteen hundred people here in various lockdown areas. Uh, nowhere near the same. So we'll talk to Catherine about that uh, very soon. John, uh, we've been busy on the text as well. We'll have a Mount Rushmore. At around about 20 to 12 with our top four Canterbury sporting people, I, I think it's fair to say. The influences on sport in Canterbury, all sorts of things. Yeah, I just really think it would look good on the Port Hills having a Mount Rushmore of Canterbury sporting icons. And someone has texted in, how about this, Anthony Wilding, John yep. Wright, player and coach, Dan Reese, and Joan Hartnett. 
Joan Harnett, fantastic netballer. Absolutely fantastic netballer, Joan Harnett. Yeah, uh, one of the greats of the game. Absolutely. I would be thinking, yeah, um, Joan Harnett right there. Uh, John Wright, yeah, you don't get more Canterbury, uh, Canterbury than John Wright. You do not get more Canterbury than John Wright. Christ College, Canterbury through and through, even when he was in Derbyshire or Dubai or, or, or Mumbai, Canterbury <laughs> was closest to John Wright's heart. Uh, you can't leave Richard Hadley off the list. You just cannot leave Sir Richard Hadley off the list. He's on mine, I can tell you right here and now. He's my number one. Absolutely. Yep. I, I'm leaking the information, but <laughs> how can you not be? How could you not be? I mean, he's, he is Sir Richard Hadley. He's the man. Yeah. Absolutely the man. Yep. Um, and uh, he's been through some trials and tribulations in the last few years, of course, but I uh, got through them, but on the field, none better. Yeah, it needs to be immortalised somewhere, doesn't he? And Christ, someone's right. put Peter Snell... Is Peter Snell a Cantabrian? Is Peter Snell a Cantabrian? Surely not. Is he? You can't well, have he must all be. the greats. Google him. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys do up there? Mate, I just like around? to talk out loud and think out loud on the radio, invite everyone in so maybe someone can text in and put me right. It's way more fun than Googling. But so this person's put, or Chris has put, Peter Snell, Dick Taylor, who loves his harness racing too, and a very, very good man, Sir Richard Hadley and Sir Richie McCaw. Uh, Dexter Dunn and Ricky May, who you just talked to, Ricky May. Hard to yeah. believe a seven-time winner isn't got a ride and oh hasn't got a drive in the cup today smithy and yeah. uh one more yeah peter snell oh. i can hear trudy in the background there and and liam's trying to redeem himself here he's come up with uh, <laughs> peter snell information so he's come up with uh Opanaki, born in Opanaki on uh 17th of december 1938 uh sir peter snell so there you go and died um two years ago in dallas texas where he made his new home of course so, yeah, we can't. Can we put Peter Snell in there? He might have won a race here at some stage. What about Sir Bob Charles? Yeah, Ooh. the greatest left-hander golfer of all time. Sorry, Phil yeah. Mickelson, take a back seat. It is Sir Bob Charles. Yeah, he's, he just lives He lives in Canterbury, doesn't he? Still plays um, under his age? Yeah, uh, he does. Oh, he shoot his age any day of the week. Uh, Bob Charles, do it for fun, to be fair. Uh, one of the greats, of course. And in that, um, you know, uh, he was uh, part of the initial Champions Tour. It was called the Seniors Tour back then. And he won all the time. He contended all the time. Uh, just a little bit like the Stephen Elka reign that's going through at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all, all of a sudden there's some armor guard people going past, John. So, uh, oh, starting to hold. There's, there's three people in uh, yellow, uh, orange vests, high-vis vests as well, uh, outside the window. So word's got round that we're operating from here. It's good. We've got protection. Uh, and uh, someone's just come in uh, with a text as well. Do the horses feed off the crowd? So will they notice they're not there? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, just prior to uh, race one at uh, 12.15, I'll pop out on the track with a mic and ask them. What do you mean? How do I know that? How, how am I supposed to know that? Do, do I just pop out and uh, do, do you miss, Mr. Horse, do you miss uh, the crowd not being here? Is it any different for you today? You're not the horse whisperer, Smithy. I'm not the horse whisperer. I'm not, I'm not even the horse yeller. Far lap has come through on the, uh, on the texting, of course. Far lap, and why wouldn't it? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, good morning, Smithy. How about uh, good morning, Smithy and JD? How about four favourite Canterbury sports people? Uh, they've stole, bribed, <laughs> or taken down here into the province. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. Anyway, let's get serious now, and it's a very serious occasion here at uh, Addington today. It is Cup Day, of course. Race 11, time to go uh, just before 6 o'clock this evening. And I'm very pleased to say joining us on the line is the General Manager of Harness Racing New Zealand, Catherine McDonald. Thank you very much, Catherine, for joining the show. 
Thanks, Ian. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. Um, I'm lucky enough to be sitting up uh, in one of the corporate rooms here just looking down the track and it paints uh, a really nice picture track-wise but a different picture this time round, which is a great shame, of course. Oh, it absolutely is a shame that we haven't got crowds on course because it's a huge occasion in Christchurch and uh, for Harness Racing. But, it, you know, it is what it is under COVID, so we have to work under the COVID rules and uh, do what we can to at least keep the racing happening. So for those people um, who uh, can't be here, I, I suppose they'll be a bit jealous, but there's some that can be here. Who can be here today and what, what kind of bubbles, etc., are in existence? Well, we've got the bubbles in the stable, which is your trainers and your drivers and stable hands who are working with the horses. Some owners are reg- have to be registered owner only, but some owners can choose to be in the stables, and if they're in the stables, they have to stay there. Otherwise, they could choose to go in the owner's bubble. So the owner's bubble is one of the rooms in the stand, and um, if they choose to be in there, they cannot go down to the stables. And then, of course, we've got our major sponsors, so we've got a bubble for the sponsors that are then in a particular room. And uh, the members of the club also have their uh, own bubble as well. So they're all separated, all lined in to get in and out, all have to wear masks and um, be seated and, and socially distanced as per the, the COVID requirements. So from the, the Canterbury point of view, the people that would normally be here, I mean, a lot of people will travel from uh, outside of Christchurch as well. It's like the an, annual pilgrimage this week of racing. But um, I understand there's quite a few activities around. You can still get a part of a punters club. There's still fashion in the fields online, etc. So they're doing their darndest, aren't they? Oh, the club's doing a huge job. And uh, so the punters uh, club finishes closes at 1 o'clock today, so people can still go online through the TAB accounts and have a wager and um, just be part of it. And uh, the other events found is the online fashion and the field show and then lots of the hospitality around the city for those that are in the city are having events at their hospitality. So a lot of the bars and places like that have got the races on the screen and people are able to go there and and buy tickets and, and sit down and enjoy the day. Of course, the big losers, Catherine, as well, apart from the people that can't be here, uh, the people that would normally be operating facilities here as their lifeblood. I mean, uh, you know, people that have caravans doing food, people that um, sell in different particular areas, uh, they're the big losers in this regard, and, uh, and it's very hard to make it up for them. Uh, you know, I know you'll have a large amount of off-course money. The off-course money probably will be bigger this time around. But it doesn't substitute for that, that stuff on the, on the track. No, well, on course, we would normally have a turnover of about a million dollars on course. Oof. And um, so we, you know, we will lose that this year. We will turn over a little bit, but it won't be huge. So we, we're hoping we make up with some of that with off course money. But um, the, it, it is a huge loss to us. And the club itself, they make a lot of their money to, to run their expenses for the race course for the year because it's a, it's a major facility and uh, they would do that through hospitality this year and they're losing all that. So it's a huge loss for the city overall. So is that compensated in any way? Am I asking an awkward question here? Is, is in some way do you, get compen- <laughs> do you get compensation for that? No, not at this point that I'm aware of. It's just uh, something we have to try and make up elsewhere. So that's why the club's uh, trying to get our turnover because we only get paid through turnover, um, through waging, wagering. So... Uh, uh, there's no other money from anywhere, so I know some of those businesses, they'll be able to get some of the government schemes about loss of revenue and places like that, but mm. for the, the club itself, I think it will struggle to get any of that. 
Well, racing is uh, due to start uh, in about 45 minutes' time, so at least that is the good news. That will go ahead and it'll be beautifully presented in various forms uh, throughout the media. So those that are in um, hostelries, etc., throughout the uh, Canterbury region will get a, a small taste of it and make their own fun. We cannot ask the boss uh, or let the boss go without a tip, uh, perhaps a cup tip, uh, Catherine, please. Uh, well, I actually have to tip my boss, own boss's horse, South Coast Garden. So um, Gary Wooden, who's the CEO of Harness Racing New Zealand, has a share in that horse. So it'd be exciting for him and the staff if it wins. And um, the other two I'd like to see go well in the Kappa Classy Brigade and Tango. OK. Catherine McDonald, would have, uh, I've written those uh, three horses down in particular. But, uh, uh, look, as, have as, as good a day as you can. I know you've got responsibilities, of course, and uh, it would have been a lot nicer if you had to shake a lot more hands or, or you know, cuddle a few more people than you're uh, allowed to do today. But uh, we know you'll be back next year, big and strong, eh? Absolutely, big and strong, and hopefully we'll have 24,000 people on course. Good on you, and they'll be absolutely lining up for it. Catherine McDonald, there so much. Uh, thanks for your time, and enjoy the day as much as you can. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Catherine McDonald there, General Manager of Harness Racing New Zealand. Well, it might be cup day, but some things do not change, and that includes stumping Smithy. Uh, so here's your chance to get some cup day money. And, uh, John, uh, how are we looking in terms of uh, our, our callers today? Uh, it's 0800-150811. How much we got up for grabs on Cup Day? Yeah, we are, well, yesterday, because you stumped someone, we have jackpotted to $100 from the TAB. Oh. So all you need to do, it's so simple, 0800-150811, take on Smithy in a quiz. If you win, you get 100 bucks from the TAB, and that is pretty good. Here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. He certainly is. And just going through a few more texts, Smithy, just before we get to our Mount Rushmore, which is coming up in about 10 minutes' time. Top three in order Sir Richard, Ivan Major, Dan Carter, and Fergie McCormick. They are four great ones right there. Maurice Chamberlain, still the only Kiwi female to win an Olympic track medal. Sir Bob Charles, Dick Taylor, and Mike Holden. Uh, from Kiwi Brent in Brisbane. Do not forget Ivan Major. So a lot of people, Smithy, coming in for Ivan Major. And if you do think about it, he was a legend, wasn't he? And probably deserves a spot. Yeah, more world championships than you can poke a stick at. Uh, unbelievable, Ivan Major. You know, um, we, we did this at a, as a bit of a promotion because it's Canterbury. It's about Canterbury today. Um, but when you dig deep... How good has it been for New Zealand sport, this province? Yeah. Uh, much as uh, uh, people like to grate their teeth and, and whinge and moan about uh, the one-eyedness about people down there, and there is an element of that, I think it's fair to say. I always remember when I played cricket down here for New Zealand, I was very popular. Um, you know, you could come down here and get all sorts of support. Come down and play for Central Districts against Canterbury, and it was like you were a different animal. It was <laughs> like the abuse you'd get from the number three and the number five stands was... Just fantastic. I mean, it was just so it was just so choice, as they said back in the days. Uh, but in, anyway, let's mosey on through, John. Yeah, mate, absolutely. All right, and we will go to Christchurch as well for our contestant with that a jackpotted one hundred bucks from the TAB and some sleep drops. New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And John from Christchurch, how are you, mate? How are you enjoying your cup day? Yeah, good day, boys. How are you going? Yeah, no, good day for it. Actually, uh, it's starting to clear up a bit, so it should be a good day. Absolutely. Do you normally go to Addington, John, or do you normally stay at home? What do you do for your cup days? 
yeah, used to go many years in a row, but uh, probably the last three or four because of work commitments, so uh, we don't go anymore. But uh, normally go Saturday now at Rickerton, so um, good times. Another fantastic day as well. All right, John, um, what am I going to, Smithy, I've got a Cup Day category here. Do I give that as one of the categories or we just go Cup Day for our quiz today? You can do what you like, John. You're in charge. I'm just a fellow uh, participant, contestant, (laughs) as you say. (laughs) All right, I'm going to go Cup Day then. How's your Cup Day knowledge, John? Uh, 50-50. All right, we'll give it a crack anyway, though, eh? All right, there's the music. Adding the tension. All right, which horse has run the fastest time ever at the New Zealand Trotting Cup? I stayed here to love one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. A great horse, but not mm. the fastest. Okay, um, I'm going to go um, Monkey King. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Another great horse, but it was Lazarus in 2016. Oh, Three okay. minutes, 53.1 seconds. Lazarus. What a horse. Alright, John, you're still alive. That's the good news. You were not stumped. So, second question. Ricky May has driven a record seven winners in the New Zealand Cup. What year was Ricky May's first win? Oh. Yeah. 2002. 2002. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not correct. It was last century. Uh, so, Smithy, a chance for a stumping. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to go earlier than that. He's been driving for a long time, Ricky May. Um, And uh, I think he goes back as far as 19... 19, I'll say, 1994. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Even further back, 1989 where Ricky May Holy drove God. his first winner in the New Zealand Cup. What a legend. It was so cool to have him on uh, about Mate, half an hour ago. And he, looks, he looks, younger than, looks younger than me. I mean, for God's sake, he drove in 89. Oh. All right, John. And, and you might want to recall uh, your first answer here, but I'm um, not giving anything away. Uh, the first New Zealand Trotting Cup held in 1904. Only three horses have won the race three times in a row. Indianapolis in 1934, 35, 36. False Step in 1958, 59 and 60. And more recently, which other horse in 2011, 2012 and 2013? Hey. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. A steward's inquiry needed, Smithy? Well, no, not really. No, because it's... Well, it's like... Anyway. <laughs> uh, look, I don't mind. I don't mind giving it to you, John, to be fair. It is, uh, after well, all, a, a, a day for a Canterbury people. And not only that, mate, it's 100 bucks today. It's a double up, so... Uh, well, I hope you do You have a little wager on, on the cup itself. Um, but uh, let's hope you can... Turn the hundred, turn the hundred dollars into a grand piano, a thousand. That would be nice, wouldn't I'll it? I'll let you know, buddy. Yeah, I'll let you know, mate. I definitely will have a bet. I do appreciate it. That's fantastic, fellas. Have Good a great day down there. Yeah, Good well done. Yeah, try and fly the flag anyway. Uh, stay on the line, no please, on, John, and, and Brian will get your details off you. Eleven thirty-eight here on SENZ. We'll take a short break when we come back. Further discussion about Mount Rushmore.
11.43 here on SENZ, which uh, more importantly today uh, means we're around 32 minutes away from race one here at Addington. And uh, that is the East-West Fencing Handicap Trot over 2,600 metres and it is time to go, as I say, at 12.15. And our good friend Ricky May does have a drive in that. Uh, BD Yusufan. Very quiet about it he was, but it says in the book that it's a big chance. We shall see. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, Mount Rushmore music for us signifies uh, today a very Canterbury theme. So, John, uh, we'll go uh, one for one down here. Uh, you can start with your number four, if you like. Nice, mate. Well, mine's a bit cheeky, my number four, but this guy has really put uh, Canterbury on the map worldwide. One of the best cricketers you'll see on the planet and every time he's mentioned in New Zealand it's like his first name is Christchurch born because that's how he's always introduced it is Christchurch born Ben Stokes I would have on my Mount Rushmore smithy remember his 2019 innings against Australia in the Ashes I mean I haven't seen a a better innings than that in test cricket Um, I forget what happened in the Cricket World Cup final Um, but Ben Stokes for me and the top four Canterbury sporting people around the globe Thank you very much for that one. Uh, I've just had some more coffee delivered too, John, so uh, that's a good pick-me-up. Uh, OK, yeah, I don't mind Ben Stokes. Um, you don't mind the fact that uh, he ruined our uh, World Cup ration card? Well, I do, and actually now I think about it, to have him on the Port Hills in stone, it would be quite annoying, wouldn't it? So maybe I should have put someone like Farlap there instead, but he's already got a bronze statue down near Timaru. OK, I'm going a bit cheeky too, a little bit cheeky. Uh, and uh, if you look up the word con- controversial, you'll see this guy's name uh, along it in the Collins English Dictionary um, and that is uh, world champion, world champion on a number of uh, occasions gold medalist on a number of champions uh, a number of occasions um, out of the Elmwood Park Bowling Club, Gary Lawson oh, how yes. about that, Gary Lawson I imagine you and him would get along quite well Smithy, actually <clears throat> we might have in the past, we just might have so it's not a case of put your mates in this club uh, and you know obviously we're going to get panned here for um, you know some of the ones we've left out but uh, just for, for for the heck of it a man that's contributed a bit and uh, certainly in his field is regarded as the best when it comes down to the actual art of bowling Gary Lawson's there. Yeah and has that Canterbury attitude, no one's going to tell me what to do, staunch man so no I appreciate that and love my lawn bowls too my number three on my Mount Rushmore uh, the most decorated uh, Paralympian of all time that we've had. She was the story of the Paralympics, as she is every time. I mean, just an incredible person for me is Sophie Pascoe Smithy. Um, just, we heard, we went through the journey with her, didn't we, uh, during this last Paralympics, especially when things aren't going her way, she still digs in, which is very much a Canterbury attitude. 20 medals <laughs> at Paralympics? Like, that is just ridiculous. So, for me, I think she deserves her spot in the top four Canterbury sporting people. Yeah, absolutely. To be admired, there's no doubt about that. And uh, certainly would make uh, more uh, top fours than she wouldn't. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, Sophie Pascoe is in that group. Uh, I'm going to throw in as my number three another one, a little bit cheeky. But this guy personifies, for me, Canterbury sport. Absolutely personifies Canterbury sport. Uh, he's tough. He wasn't huge. He was tough as nails. Um, you know, he was responsible for both Canterbury and the All Blacks. He was a custodian at the back. 
Uh, I remember him uh, for coat-hangering Sid Nomis and knocking out some of his front teeth, which was back in the day really heroic thing to do. Not so much uh, these days. WF Fergie McCormick, for me, is my number three. Oh, the boot. He had songs written about him. I'm sure growing up uh, in Christchurch, I remember songs getting written about Fergie McCormick. He was that kind of player, Smithy, like mm. kind of a cult hero sort of style, but bloody good at what he did. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, number two. Now we're up two for you. Yep, number two for me is a bit more, uh, I guess, polished than Fergie McCormick, um, but an absolute legend, a good Canterbury country boy, uh, Dan Carter. I mean, you know, it's it's DC. Uh, what more can you say, Smithy? Just one of the greatest, if not the greatest rugby player uh, New Zealand has ever produced and from the Canterbury country, which I love about him as well. Just a nice, good country boy who came good. So, Dan Carter, I don't need to say anything else. He's number two on my Mount Rushmore. OK, well, here's the here's thing. Mull this one over then, Mr okay. Smartass. It's mull this one. OK, I'm going for a number 10 from Canterbury as well. He wasn't born here. He might have been born in the north in Potaruru. But I'll tell you right here and now, has he, has this guy had more impact on New Zealand rugby than Dan Carter? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Yep. And I'm talking, of course, about the legendary Wayne Smith. Yep. Uh, on the field of play for Canterbury, outstanding number 10. When it's come to his contribution to rugby off the field uh, and the way he is, uh, they say, the guru, the galvanizer of all black teams, the, 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 uh, you know, the, the strategic genius within the group, has Wayne Smith made more of a contribution? I think he might have. He's my number two. Yeah, yeah, the professor. Without Wayne Smith, you probably wouldn't have Dan Carter um, because he was that good, wasn't he? When he came into the Crusaders, a lot of people give the credit to Robbie Deans, but it was Wayne Smith along with Gilbert Anoka, who set up that franchise and their, um, their culture that still permeates today. So, yeah, I may stand corrected there, Smithy, right. but I think we're both going to agree on our number one, and it is yeah. this guy. Uh, Richard Hadley must be really licking his lips at the moment, looking forward to his 281st wicket in tests. And he's gone in right through him, and that makes it six in the second innings, 15 for the match, and New Zealand have won by an innings and 41 runs. A very happy New Zealand team, their first ever victory on Australian uh, soil, and congratulations all around, but to uh, Richard Hadley, really the man who set this victory up. I don't think I've ever seen you leap higher in your life, Smithy. When Hadley took that final wicket, 15 for the match, first win in Australia, Sir Richard and Lillian Smith behind the stumps, leaping into the air. <laughs> Well, here's this thing, right? It was the first ever time New Zealand had beaten Australia in Australia, so significant in that regard. Uh, and everyone wanted to be a part of that. So we were that, uh, that group, 1985. Also, uh, the fact that he'd got 15 wickets. And it, it was appropriate for me that having started the deal and having been so uh, good throughout the match that he had the final say uh, and then got the last wicket. It was interesting, actually, because uh, it was lunch, just getting towards lunch on the fifth day, and he would just about run out of gas, I'll be fair. Uh, you know, he'd be bowled every, everything, given every, everything. It was warm, muggy morning in, in, at the Gabba in Brisbane, and he just about was toast. And uh, I said to him, what about, it's, it's only Dutchy Holland, for goodness sake. Uh, it's only Dutchy Holland. What about one more big last effort? Because at, at the Gabba, in, in those days, they had very small lunch room, but what they did have is the most beautiful barramundi for lunch. And if you didn't, if you weren't involved early in the afternoon, you could have two pieces of barramundi, and, and then you could go really good. I said, what about this? What about you, if you knock over Dutchy Holland and give it one last effort, come on, 
big boy, get out there, and if you can do that, we can have two pieces of barramundi, all the forex that the world can possibly make this afternoon, champagne, cigars, the whole lot, just get it done, for God's sake, just get it done. And he did, just like that. Of course he did, because he's Sir Richard Hadley, and he's the greatest mm. Canterbury sportsman, isn't he? Deserves his yep. place, number one. Oh, number one. Absolutely, number one. No doubt at all. Number one. Speaking of number ones, Palmerston North's number one son is coming up before midday, Mark Stafford. Not dressed uh, accordingly in Cup Day apparel, I note today, uh, but having said that, uh, he'll still be full of quality. We'll be with Staff shortly.